<laughs> when are you going actually? When are you off when are you off to, to Blighty? Uh, I am off next this day tomorrow week, so Saturday the second. So we're flying over on Saturday, and uh, we are going to the Coronation Street tour the day after, uh, on the Sunday. I have the tickets booked for that, and then we are yeah going to. I have to be in the ITV studios for quarter to twelve on Monday, um, and then I think if like I win a couple of games or whatever, uh, then yeah I'll uh, I'll I'll keep going. If I lose like the first one, it's tough shit out you get. But uh, to be fair to ITV, they've agreed to put me up in the hotel for the three nights of my stay, and cool. they they'll reimburse me for my flights and they will pay for my breakfast in the hotel but they aren't paying for my wife's which i wouldn't expect them to but she is so pissed off about it. <laughs> yeah <laughs> so like you're getting like everything one of everything that they have yeah. in the hotel and poor shauna just has to have like you know the complimentary weedabix or whatever <laughs> that's exactly what it is Welcome along, friends, on this glorious March day. I do hope it's sunny where you are. Here it's stuffy and damp, but that's only because my office is under a stairs. Uh, however, welcome along to Reeling in Your Ears, the only podcast dedicated to reeling in the years. To join me, as always, he is one member of the Bebo Pop Sensation uh, and one half of the KNS Express. It's Simon Chadwick. Hey, Garen, how are you getting on? All good. Um, but I'm, I'm very surprised, I'll be honest. I didn't get much feedback from uh, from you know posting the revelation on twitter yeah the dancing blue pandas they didn't they didn't they didn't get much love or hate uh which is kind of what happened on bebo as well to be honest uh, um apart from i think i mentioned last week the uh the people who latched on to us because of their love of pandas did i mention that on the last episode i think you may yeah yeah we had some panda obsessives who followed us or whatever the, oh. you did on bebo <laughs> i can't remember now but but yeah no the, yeah, the apathy was the 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 uh, reaction of choice when we were uh, in our prime so no no real surprise that it it is also the the reaction of choice 16 years later but look it, yeah it's just yeah one of those things that it, it, it is what it is really but sure look I was trying to think of the name and I couldn't think of the uh, name when I was trying to write that down and I was like is it dancing black ninjas and then I went no that's that's not it oh, that would have been cool yeah but I knew it was some sort of uh, some sort of semblance of that it was Dance Blue Panda, and the reason was that at the time, um, I'll get this right, one of the guys named the band, and it was the reason was it was something like when you set up your first like MSN or like okay. your first email address, um, the the suggestion for like the do you know the way back in the day everyone's email address was like not everyone, but loads of people's email address like, you know, sexy princess 69 or, you know, whatever your email address was. Um, but like, like you know, you're in heaven 2k7. Yeah, that kind of thing. Right. <laughs> so it was like, you know, it wasn't just like my email address now is a very boring my name at yeah. gmail.com or whatever. You know what I mean? It, that's not it. But I will. It's, anyway. Um, but uh, if we want to email me, they can. Um, but uh, back then it was like, you know, you came up with something. So it was like when you were setting it up, the the website suggested things and it suggested having like uh you know a descriptive uh, action uh, a color and a noun uh, and so the example was dancing blue panda and that's where that's where it came from ah very clever uh, that's where it came from yeah so uh one of the more one of the members who was more intelligent than me which was all of the other members uh they uh, came up with it, i can't remember which of the lads it was but yeah so that was look it was it was a leaving cert distraction uh yeah that's, that's all that's all we'll say about it yeah we, we all had them um 
Yeah, I didn't. Uh, I, I didn't really study. Not even thirty either. I actually read all of John Green's books when I was supposed to be studying for maths, which is why I failed maths, but know a lot about uh, John Green. Anywho, um, yeah. <laughs> so uh, this year it is two thousand six. Speaking of Bebo and all that, um, we're talking Celtic Tiger. We're talking imminent crash. We're talking Homer, Aussie, and the straw. So let's do it to it. Um, so we open up this year with some sporting action as Cork's own Derval O'Rourke takes gold in the World Indoor sixty meter hurdles final that's a mouthful uh, and we, we hear the words uh, this, the kind of two were jumbled together but uh, we hear the words that every rugby fan wants to hear you may award the try as Ireland pick up a win at Twickenham and win the 2006 Triple Crown uh, on the running yeah Derval O'Rourke fair play uh, I'm, not, I'm not really well versed in hurdles but I know that 60 metres is not that great of a distance uh, you know look fair play for the run ran it a hell of a lot quicker than I would I'd struggle to get over the first one um, but yeah 60 metres is a bit of an odd number especially when it comes to like to, to running you're always used to the 100 150 200 yeah and I don't know because they do they do have 100 metre hurdles as well um, but 60 metres I don't know if that was just because of the length because they look like a very short track because they had to run into a wall at the end I don't know if you noticed that yeah uh, they had to just run into this padded wall for no reason I was like could you not have just had it somewhere with a longer <laughs> track that they could just stop like why did they have to just jump into a wall uh, or, or face oblivion like you know because uh, they kind of had to jump to hit the pad I feel like if they just kept running they just whacked into a concrete wall and knocked themselves <laughs> out so just it was just a bit odd um, I think did it say where that was I think I read that it was in uh, was it Helsinki or somewhere like that could be um, no Moscow oh Jesus don't mention Moscow um, <laughs> so anyway yeah bloody Russians yeah that's if that's the worst thing they ever do that'll be that'll be something <laughs> um, yeah and um Always the so yeah as as I said then next in the rugby so uh significant year for rugby this was again I don't rugby so you're the you're the sports guy where was I oh yeah so yeah so my friend was asking me why um why we celebrate winning the triple crown and it's kind of peculiar to rugby I guess because uh because you know it's 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 a competition within the competition and it's the uh, as I'm saying it's the three teams yeah England Scotland and Wales that you have to beat. So it is kind of weird to celebrate it, but I guess at the time, Ireland hadn't won the, the six or five nations since 85. Um, so like, you know, it was, uh, it was it was pretty big just to win something. And they actually, this we see Brian Driscoll lifting the trophy here and they had actually made the trophy for either this year or the previous year, I'm not sure, but that, there had never been a trophy for it before. Ah. It was just like a ceremonial thing because in the amateur era, there was no trophies. There wasn't a trophy for winning the tournament. There wasn't a trophy for winning yeah. anything. Um so this way we got some silverware and I guess it's nice when they win silverware and you saw the players last Saturday um, celebrating on the, on the pitch in, the, in Lansdowne, which was, which was nice. Um, it is weird because you didn't win the, tour, the big one. And um, I guess now as rugby fans, you're very used to Ireland challenging and winning, winning yeah. six nations. We never challenged for a world cup, but uh, for the six nations, but um, back then, I guess it was still a novelty just for Ireland to win a match, <laughs> but particularly to beat England away didn't happen all that much. So uh, even though this England team was, uh, was, uh, was pretty crap and we probably should have beat them easier than we did. But, um, but yeah, it became less and less of a thing. But actually, if you think about it, they won it again the following year and bar the two grand slams where you actually won everything. So, you know, the triple crown is going to swept up in it. They didn't win it again till, till this year, till last Saturday. So um, it isn't, even though we won a good few in this period, it wasn't all that common. So, um, so yeah, it was worth celebrating. Yeah, it certainly was, and I mean, I was watching the match. Uh, well, I didn't actually watch the Ireland game. Now, to be fair, I watched the. Um, I watched the. Oh God, what what game did I watch? I think I watched the. Yeah, it was the England one. Sorry, it was the England one. Um and uh, the um, 
I, I, yeah, I just, not that I don't like rugby, like, I mean, I don't mind watching it, but I just find that it's, uh, as they always say, the book of football, the rules of football can be written on a single page. The rules of rugby will take a better book. And the people that were there with me watching them as we were discussing, like, this new rule or something kicking from, like, your own 20-something or whatever. I, yeah, yeah, 50-22 is the name of the rule, yeah. yeah. No idea what to, like, I was literally lost in that conversation. Um, but hey, we won, so what? That's the main thing. Yeah, exactly. We kicked their butts. <laughs> yeah, I was just about to say, yeah, we kicked their butts. You didn't hear how it ended. We won. Um, and uh, in the justice system, uh, leaked evidence from the Mahan Tribunal exposes the financial dealings of one former finance minister. Nope, not Charlie Hottie this time. Big Barty, as he says, he's being unfairly asked what money he got for his confirmation, communion, etc. And he's not he's not into that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I love that. I love that you could just answer every <laughs> accusation of, of impropriety with I'm just not into that. So I'm not <laughs> yeah. gonna talk about this. I'm not into that. Like, you know, yeah, not a lot of politicians really are and you know into answering direct questions about their finances. Um, Barty gives an interview to Brian Dobson of 6-1 News, where he tries to cry um and he discusses his financial problems and explain away the allegations of whip rounds and dig outs i remember this so clearly and i remember the absolute like brutal bashing that bertie got like there was really no forgiveness for this now i mean worse things have happened since with politicians but i mean i just remember how bad and like jokes about brown envelopes and gift grub did a song called paddy the plaster or like and yeah, uh, it, it was just a poor... I actually kind of felt sorry for Bertie, to be fair. Yeah, it, 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 he, got, he got a good going over. And I think up till this, he'd kind of been... I think he was... At one point, he was known as like the Teflon Taoiseach, where like, you know, he was uh, kind of... Things just bounced off him and he didn't really... Uh, he didn't really come under any, uh, any scrutiny or accusations. But certainly by 2006, he did. And uh, yeah, he was... Um, he was not happy having to ask answer all these questions and then he then he, i won't say he came up with a sob story because i mean i, I yeah. know there was obviously truth to it and he had you know gone through divorce all that all that kind of stuff but uh you know at the same time it was um it was uh it was definitely advantageous to him to go on and and, and give double the tears you know um and uh, yeah. it was um it was it was it was interesting watching him s- Worm and because at the start, his first reaction initially that we see there is a very, it's a very Fina Fall reaction. I'd like to say in yeah. that, like you know, it's kind of like brush it off. You know, this will never stick. Who the hell are you? You know, yeah. very haughty, like you know, kind of you know, uh, haughty like reaction. I would say it was obviously a parents mentor, but uh, but yeah, by the end, then he had to. He realized been caught in, had to get the old. Uh, the old uh, sob story out to try and make it a, a human interest story as opposed to a why is our Taoiseach why did the finance minister not have a bank account story? yeah my god that's such a fucking like we're not a great example when it comes to ministers because like yeah minister for finance didn't have a bank account we had two minister for health who were severely overweight you know like James O'Reilly and Mary Harney um, and there's other just discrepancies in there elsewhere but like just not a great not a great example of a leader um however um in the media or sorry up, up next rather um with the pds keeping in, in tone of politicians there uh, the pds insist there is no struggle for power after all who the fuck would want to lead the pds not mary harney anyway because she resigns this year uh so this would lead to michael you'll have to speak up i'm wearing a mcdowell uh to lead the pds and step into the role of tarnished <laughs> 
So yeah, Michael McDowell, there's a name, Jesus, that you don't hear often these days. Um, Mary Harney stepped out. I don't even remember who she went oh, to. Oh, he's still got a column in the Irish Times. Oh yeah. Is he is he is he a writer now or just a political analyst or he's he's quite a right leaning was before the PDs were the most uh to the right party, uh centre right party that we had, but uh, yeah, he's quite uh, his opinions are interesting. Ah. I uh, I don't read let's, let's say <laughs> yeah I don't I don't really read much many papers these days but yeah uh, well he's gone kind of like you know the way <laughs> you know the way old old way, as people get older they kind of um, they become freer less weighed down by the baggage of oh should I say this or should I not say it and they just say well I'm gonna say it uh, and that's kind of that's kind of one minute. Ah, I see. He was just kind of given a platform on which to do that. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely going to start yes. reading that nowadays. Um, and um, speaking of which, in the media, News Talk gets the green light to broadcast over the airwaves this year. And we also, we also see the launch of the Irish Daily Mail. Um, but it's not all bad because... In uh, in film, The Wind That Shakes the Barley, which is filmed in West Cork based on the troubles in the 1920s, wins the Palm d'Or Award in Cannes. Um, it was nice to see Sven Joran Eriksson up to accept it. <laughs> yeah, there's a similarity there. Is it the face or the glasses? I can't really say. It's the whole package, I think. It is it's the hairline and the glasses and the face and the, the, yeah, the whole the whole lot. Um, nice to know you directed the film, to be fair. <laughs> um, uh, and also... In- yeah, 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 yeah. I, I, get, I directed a film and got knocked out of the World Cup in the same year, did well. He did, he did, to be fair. Um, I'm just going to, for one second, because I, I think there's either a delay on my end or yours, but we're I'm kind of um, stepping on you there. Um, so I'll just, I'll apologise in advance for that. Okay. Um, and uh, so 90 years after the 1916 Ryzen takes place, we hear the proclamation being read aloud. We see shots of army tanks and army men with their teeny tiny swords uh, marching through the streets of Dublin uh, and also at the War Memorial Gardens, as we remember the 35,000 Irish that died during the Great War. Um, it's it's gas because it seems like the, 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 the centenary was like ages ago and now we're talking about 90 years and I remember thinking at the time god it's only going to be another 10 years until the centenary well that was like 16 years ago now yeah this is it this is it I mean that's the thing about watching these episodes in the mid 2000s because you get this um you just feel like it's so much closer than it was because you remember it so well like this is I'm I think I was yeah I was 16 in 2006 so like I really remember this and a lot of the events in a way that I haven't, you know, the older episodes. Mm. And um, it's mad. Yeah, it just feels like, not yesterday, but it feels like five years ago. Uh, yeah. And it's not it's 16 years ago. And we're all getting very old. We are. No, we are, to be fair. Um, and now I feel bad for mocking him earlier, because this is also the year that we bid farewell to the most reoccurring character on our show, Charlie Hawhey, as he's laid to rest I have to say, the two lads are the fucking bull of them. They really are. I mean, the two, like, they just, they are peas in a pod with him. Like, they are, it is so, it's, he. they're so like their dad. It's uh, in, in look. Yeah. Not quite personality, I don't believe. I think uh, 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 diluted, the personality was diluted probably for the yeah. best. Um, but, uh, but yeah, they are. They really do look like him. The brother doesn't look as much like him. The priest. No. 
Not at all. Jesus, I didn't realize that they were related at all until the name came up. At the no, end. exactly. Yeah, until it, until it came up, and then, but then, in his in his delivery, I felt he was a high. You know, he was kind oh, yeah. of uh, commanding the pulpit there. But then, you know, most priests do that. So that's yeah, that's part of the job. Um, in Lebanon, uh, Israel are retaliating against Hezbollah guerrilla warfare with rockets, as we see shots of injured civilians and soldiers. As uh, Israel's uh, Shimon Perez, or as I call him, yet another Sven Jorn Eriksson. Um, <laughs> it was a popular look at the time. It must have been. Like, you know, when you go into the barbers, like they've got headshots of just random models. They must have had one of Sven Jorn Eriksson. <laughs> and, he uh, got a lot of women's Sven Jorn Eriksson. So maybe some did. lads were like, I'll, I'll get the, I'll try and get that look. Was it, um, was it Ulrika Johnson or someone he was with? Or did I get that? Oh, no, that was uh, Stan Collymore. Um, oh, no, I think Ulrika was with Sven as well. Really? Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. Is that a thing for football? Yeah, must have. Yeah, must have. Um, and uh, yeah, so he warns the people of Lebanon that this is a war of for life or death. Uh, and indeed it was, as casualties are estimated at 1,300 uh, 1, dead and 4,400 injured. Um, they always say war. War never changes. It's the exact same scenes as we're seeing in Russia now. Yeah, it really, it really is. And um, it's... It's uh, it it was really eerie actually watching it there and and seeing the seeing the scenes because it really is the just the the same thing on repeat and humanity just never seems to 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 learn the lessons really do we no no we don't um on the Late Late Show Pat is showing us his wee um as he is getting the head boxed off him until he steps in to beat the lard of his opponent. <laughs> I mean, that's such a Pat Kenny phrase. Oh, well, you, you just you can't get any more 2006 than Pat Kenny playing the Wii. Um, I'm, yeah. just, I'm just glad Lara Croft didn't come out this time. Oh Jesus! Uh, yeah, the um, the the Wii. It looked so dead. And again, to your point of a few minutes ago about it not feeling that long ago. And then you look at the graphics. And I know the box. It was only the you know the Wii games weren't as you know the, the PlayStation graphics were a lot better. Um, yeah. Back then, the Wii was the whole. Thing was that it was interactive with your with your pads and and you swung your hands and broke the broke the window and all that jazz. Oh, yeah. But um, but you know, but the graphics and then the, just even the TV he was playing it on and it just oh. looked really it just looked really dated and it's like oh god this is sixteen years ago. But there was I don't know if you saw there was when the camera angle changed to Pat's other side as he was beating the lard out of uh, out of his opponent, who by the way I think was like on player two, but there was no player two, so yeah. just had his hands down by his side. Like I feel like I don't feel like there was much offense coming back uh, <laughs> at Pat, but um, there was a kid who's obviously like was about to talk about some other game and was in the background just staring at him like what is this and why am I here he was yeah that's it he was watching Pat play his game and uh, he was asking him can I can I have a go no only I may play Um, and speaking of which, we also get uh, shots of the up-and-coming Katie Taylor. Um, she is taking home the gold in Europe and across the world, so really the start of her career. And as is Bernard Dunn, as he takes home the super bantamweight title against Isham Pickering. And wow, the blood on Super Mario Riff. Yeah, yeah. They're not, not sure about I remember the fight. Um, oh, yeah, so do I. At the time, because I think it was the same day as that rugby we saw earlier. I feel like they were the same day and it was like the rugby was on the afternoon and the fight ah. was on the evening and it was a big like, and it was Paddy's day or Paddy's weekend and it was like this big like, yeah, Ireland, we rule. Um, a lot of sporting success actually for Ireland this year. But, um, yeah, to be fair. 
But yeah, Bernard Dunn and and, and yeah, I remember there was a bit of blood in that fight, all right. Um, yeah, he was a scrapper, Bernard Dunn. Oh yeah, good guy, and like he didn't hold that title for all that long. And he lost, did it say he might have lost it later in the year or the year after? But um, yeah, he was he got the most I think out of his out of his out of his talents, and I think even one of one one talent is just to be that weight. Uh, yeah. Like there's not a pick on him, and he's a small guy. Like and it's that's that's discipline in and of itself. And obviously, then as he said, we got the shot of uh, Kater. She's known Ram Bray, Saint Katie. Um, Saint Katie. She is the most beloved person in Bray. Uh, I would say by a long distance. Um, as someone who knows the town very well, um, they're very proud of of Katie Taylor, and we all are proud of Katie Taylor. I I, I, I happen to enjoy the fact that she is a Leeds United fan, um, ah. confirmed, uh, and that is why I am proud of Katie, Katie Taylor uh, and feel a connection to her. Um. But yeah, she's made. She's amazing, and she would go on to do amazing things. And she, she is uh, a really, good, she's a really um, great role model as well, particularly for for you know young girls, for but for all for everyone, yeah. but for for young girls in particular because she was brilliant. She's eighteen, I think, in this, um, or maybe maybe nineteen, um, and she's uh, she's already kind of winning amateur championships. That she would go on and win the Olympic medal. She's gone yeah. on and won all her professional fights. Um, through it all has been very humble and very um very uh you know very much someone you you you'd love your your kids to turn out like uh, i would say you know oh, yeah. in what in what is a very messy game boxing you know it oh, is yeah. a very murky game and she's had her own personal personal um issues in her family and stuff like that and still still yeah. still you know makes time to see to meet fans and all that jazz so she's a, she's a really good uh, really good role model yeah, no, she absolutely is, and is just one of the greatest Irish sports heroes of all time. Um, it just whenever I think of Katie Taylor, I always think of. Uh, remember the time she had a fight? You know, I I couldn't name her opponent or even what title she won, but uh, she beat she beat the the, the girl anyway. It could have been the Olympics, and um, the the girl who she was against came over after the fight. And put her hands together, kind of like prayer, but bowed to you know to be like you know well done or whatever fair play. And some yeah. guy and some guy uh, screenshotted the photo from obviously from Google Images like just after it happened, put it up on his Facebook and was like, "Oh, we should make this go viral." And I don't know why he's from Cabra, but uh, he's <laughs> like, "Yeah, we should make this go viral." And uh, you know, so people know that Katie is a legend or whatever. And somebody else that I know shared it. And when I clicked on it, like your man had screenshotted it, but like his search bar and like his battery percentage and everything is in it. And I'm like, yeah, great idea. Let's have kids in like a hundred years looking at the museums going, well, as you can see now, Mick was with Tesco Mobile uh, and his battery was on 6%. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so be careful with your, with your cropping and your screenshots, folks, if you want something to be a part of history. Yes. Um, and uh, we also see Bell X1 playing Flame, which... Great song and a fantastic album. Uh, Bellex would have always been one of those off-the-wall bands who made it big. Like, I mean, even the lyric he sings here, your flesh, it melts in my mouth like Holy Communion. Who thinks of this stuff? <laughs> it's just... Yeah. It's weird. Now, Paul Noonan himself, the guy, lead singer of... Uh, of um, of uh, do, 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 Bell X One, he's a weird enough guy. Anyway, um, there there was a fantastic. I I I guarantee I could not find it now if I if I looked it up. But there was a fantastic animation short clips that were on YouTube. I think they think they might have made an appearance on uh, RT on like the panel or something. I want to b- b- remember that, and I can't even remember the name of it. But it was a um, 
fantastic uh, animated piss take of like uh, Bellex one going about their daily business, you know, and like an animated Glenn Hansard would knock at the door and they tell him to piss off. Oh, yeah. Um, and Paul Noonan would walk into the room and he'd go, Good afternoon. Um, and they had Damien Rice because they used to be, Bell X1 used to be a bigger band with Damien Rice in it called Juniper. Um, oh, I didn't yeah, know that. Yeah, fun fact. Um, and they, yeah, the, the whole gag was that Damien was like their slave uh, and he was like <laughs> ironing the clothes and stuff. And he's like, uh, you know, oh, can I sing Cannonball? They're like, no, shut up. <laughs> I must actually find that because I swear it's not a fever dream. Um, no, I'm sure it's not. But uh, yeah, I remember actually I bought this album uh, in, in town at the time and I came all the way up from town. I was like, yeah, going to stick it in. And I opened, and now Bellex One had an album just before this with the exact same um, pattern on the CD as the new album that Flame was on. So whoever was working in Golden Discs obviously put the wrong disc in the case and I went up and yeah, stuck it in and none of the songs matched what was on the, the, the album case and I was so pissed so i marched straight back down to golden discs and made them give me the correct album oh <laughs> yeah so that's my little uh, and now you can just get it streamed directly into your brain that technology is, yeah. eh? it's, i'm telling you it's a wonderful thing but yeah no i remember i, I saw bellex one at oxygen i'm a massive massive fan of those guys uh again some of the lyrics are just a bit fucking like it's like the beat and you know the, the music itself is great but the lyrics are weird like on the on the kind of like big you know bigger album they had around like 2010 2011 you know the one it's like you're the chocolate at the end of my cornetto like yeah like it's a and like i love the way your underwire bra always sets off that x-ray machine like the, who the, like who the fuck thinks of these things like i mean he must be he's obviously very talented but like not a sentence that i would string together i won't lie but fair play to fair play to paul noonan and his and his and his songwriting talents yeah look you know you you do you paul you the, do you good afternoon unto him <laughs> <laughs> uh, and in the football kerry win the sam mcguire cup beating mayo 415 to 305 and in the hurling kenny put a stop to the rebel treble by beating them 116 to 113 uh rebel treble that just has like irish daily star written all over it like somebody yeah. paid to think of that and GA loves that. I mean, as a country, we love that. But the 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 you know, given something like that, a moniker, you know, giving the the drive for five, or yeah. you know, was was the thing that that this Kilkenny team would go on to try and win five and fail. And Dublin footballers have done it. And then they were trying to come up with one for six when they when <laughs> Dublin won the six in a row, and they couldn't really. It was like the joy of six or the you know. Yeah. And then and then I think last year somebody somewhere tried to coin the phrase "striving for seven. Oh, uh, which thankfully didn't get off the ground, and uh, neither did Dublin's title challenge, I suppose. So um, you know, it was uh, it was uh, yeah, but yeah, did the, the, the GA I think media in particular do, do enjoy a good? Uh, I don't know what the word for that is, but they like to name these 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 things. I suppose it makes for good uh, good copy. But um, but yeah, this is the start of. It's unfortunately the end of the great Kilkenny Cork rivalry, but it's the start of Kilkenny absolutely dominating oh, yeah. things. Not that they weren't dominating, you know, a couple of years ago. I mean, they had a two year Barons spell in between this, uh, the Barons spell consisting of losing the final narrowly in 04 and then losing a, an absolute humdinger of a semi final to Galway in 05. You know, it wasn't, they weren't that far away. Um, and it's, it's still the best team I've ever seen play Ireland this, this, this era. Um, mm. by far, like just even, even the Limerick team of today, which is a brilliant team. Yeah, you just I don't think I, I. Yeah, I just think in terms of just 
quality 115 and subs this Kilkenny team was unbelievable yeah this is like uh, it's like to put it in put it in, put it in a language I speak it's like Limerick are like the John Cena they're like yeah okay they're very good they're flashy they're decent but Kilkenny of that era that stone goal Steve Austin right there yeah I just I just think so I just think they may just stop and and watch and like I as a Westford fan never enjoyed them winning but no. like you could enjoy watching that team because they were oh, just yeah. so bad they just they just killed you like they just killed I mean they hammered Westford so many times they hammered but they hammered everybody oh yeah they, hammered, they bet the piss um, out of Waterford every year you know whereas I feel like there's loads of teams of a good standard at hurling now um I just think they uh, that have a chance you know you Limerick might still win, but like they have a chance of beating them. And you know, Tip had them, Tip were whatever, 10 points up in the Munster final last year. And, yeah. and okay, Limerick came back and that was amazing. But like, you know, Tip had a chance against Kilkenny. These teams didn't have a chance. Like, once no. Cork were gone, you know, you'll see the next, we'll see in the next few years of episodes yeah, that we're doing the, the hammerings they're dishing out in finals were just unbelievable. I remember the like the, the Waterford one, which I think you might know, I think it was 08 maybe. Yeah. Um, uh, Davy, I think it was either old, yeah, I think it was 08 was when Davy Fitz was in charge, yeah. yeah. And like the opening, I think I'm thinking of the right game, the opening 20 25 minutes is some of the best, probably the best single period of one team just being unbelievable that I've ever seen in my life, yeah. That, yeah, they fucking god almighty, they trounced all over us, but that was so big for Waterford, they actually had a homecoming parade for, for the losing team, you know, and yeah. it was bigger. a triple crown, if you will. There you go, coming second, a, tri- a triple crown. Yes, we'll take it, we'll take it because it's all we ever really get anyway. <laughs> um, and uh, speaking of what you get, we see the introduction of the penalty point system this year, uh, as there are now extra offences which will incur points on your license, which if you collect enough, uh, will get your license taken off you. Um, I remember the uproar when this came in. My God, I I feel like they sat around, um the table in 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 whoever comes up with these things and was like okay we need to come up with something new it's not working we need to come up with some new way of uh of of doing things around around the rules around driving and someone was just finishing off their bowl of frosties mm-hmm. and on the back of the frosties was like collect five <laughs> collect five <laughs> tokens and get a free toy so he was like well hold on hold on i'm getting something here uh how about collect 12 penalty points and hand in your license that's definitely it. Like that has to be spot on. Um, yeah. And because it was 2006, John got promoted up three grades, three pay grades. <laughs> yeah. And took all his kids to Hawaii. His, um, his SSIA was true to roof. Yeah. Yeah. No, obviously, yeah, they, they, this, this is, uh, we can joke about the start of this because it gets very serious, serious after, but it, it uh, does, yeah. I enjoyed, I enjoyed the ad uh, for the penalty points um, because of the unbelievably poor acting. Oh, the <laughs> woman who gets... Does gets a shit scared out of her when yeah. the guy knocks on her? <laughs> the most unnatural dropping of a phone I've ever seen. Yeah. Oh like, I'm like, oh how God. hard was it to act dropping the phone? You just drop it. Like it wasn't like it's not you don't need to know acting to do that. Like and she just like fumbles it in a really, really like putting it down, half don't want to break the phone because it's not mine, it's the RTE's phone. I gotta hand it back and it's like, oh god. Yeah, um, the, the fumbly bumbly with the phone, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Or the uh the, the guy who uh the, the guard pulls him over and he's doing the the spot check or whatever and for the when they show like you know uh, including um not having a passenger with a seatbelt on and there's like a scared child in the back of the car without a seatbelt and the guy who's driving the shitty yellow banger looks like he fucking stole the thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the, the kid in the back is the least of your concerns, mate. 
yeah the, oh god you gotta love these uh these these, these ads they're fucking class um and um we get an interview with a young man named david cullen who crashed while speeding in his father's car leaving him confined to a wheelchair uh, he wants people to heed his message not to speed in the hopes that at least one person will listen to him uh, we also see that 365 people are killed on irish roads this year that's literally one person a day which is absolute madness um and we see yeah. gay burn taking the wheel as a chairperson of the road safety authority this year as he says no matter how many images of bodies and blood that you see the message just isn't getting through and yeah spot on it's it's really it's really not getting through i cannot tell you the amount of times like when i'm in work and people show up late for their appointment coming from wexford because of a crash on the new ross road you know like no matter how many crashes people see no matter all of the things they see they are just some people just refuse to slow down on certain roads um and i mean 365 is a it's just a huge huge number yeah it is it, it is it's it's the speed it really is and we like um you know on a sunday we i'd often uh, we'd often go up uh, visit my parents and they're about a 25 minute drive away and on that drive and it's always a Sunday for whatever reason like we'll be counting the amount of like dangerous driving you're seeing oh, yeah. and that's like you know you're on the motorway for for 10 minutes 15 minutes yeah. you know and like you're 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 like the amount of differing dangerous things that you're seeing on the road from people is just it's just crazy and that's on a short journey like as you said if you multiply that by uh you know even uh, on a longer journey or you know if 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 i was driving down to to visit my family in wexford let's say then ross direction like you'd be you'd, you know on a, on a kind of an hour and a half two hour journey you, you know you'd be coming across multiples of that it's just crazy and it, mm. it hasn't improved i think what's probably improved is the quality of the roads have improved so we're, yeah. we probably do have less i don't know the stats now for this year i know they weren't great last year i don't think um oh no was it, it must have been pre-covid because i think they must be down because nobody was <laughs> going, nobody going was too going far. Anywhere, yeah. But um, maybe it was last year when it came back. I can't remember. I, I, there was a spike, but um, but yeah, like it's just it doesn't. It hasn't. I don't think things have rechanged. The quality of the roads has probably changed a bit, and the cars are are probably slightly yeah. safer now, like newer cars. Um, but but it's it. I mean, I like yeah. I I came across a, a luckily no one was hurt, but I came across a, a crash just yesterday morning actually. Um, oh. driving my dog to crash yeah yesterday morning and just that, that again that's a short commute distance from my house i had driven up the road dropped her off and by the time i was coming back which is like 10 minutes total a bus and a car had crashed in the junction and everything was blocked and Jesus. you know just now again everyone was okay thankfully which is the most important thing but like yeah. it just just goes to show you know that's a that's a, a i'm sure a routine commute for both the bus driver and whoever it was uh, that was driving the car and yet uh, yet these things uh you know, so it can so easily occur just from people not paying attention or whatever. Yeah. I don't know what caused that crash, so I won't speculate. But um, yeah, but yeah, it's just it's mad, it's mad, and it hasn't really improved at all. No, and uh, like I mean, I I I don't drive. I'm I'm learning to drive this year. I, before I turn 31, I will be on the road. But um, the one thing that always always terrified and it's burned into my brain is those ads that we had in the 90s, where like you'll know the one as soon as I tell you the one where your man is playing football out the back with his son oh yeah 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 do you know what i mean or the kids sitting down in the park and yeah fuck, yeah do you know what i mean uh or the the, the couple up against the wall like those yeah. ads are Jeez, just yeah you're yeah they're just seared into my brain and they, they are and that's the thing we, we've had such campaigns about it and this is another one here that we're seeing clips of 
you know, in this, and obviously there was Dave Cullen, as you said, was talking about his experience of, of driving too fast as a young guy. And it does happen. And like, you know, I would, I would have, uh, you know, I learned to drive at 17 and I've been driving on the roads since I was like 17 and a half, 18. Um, I got my full license at 18. So like, it's, you know, I know for a fact that when I was that age and a bit younger, I definitely, not all the time. And I certainly was never, I'm quite a cautious uh, driver really, but like, I definitely would have had moments where, you know, I would have driven too fast. You make mistakes as a young driver, but like, it's just, um, it's just, uh, it is, it, it, it's, it, he, he's living proof there that, that yeah. the guy there in the, in the wheelchair, I mean, he looks like he's paralyzed maybe from the neck down and that's, that's all from, mm. all from uh, not following, you know, road safety advice, but yeah, it should be seared into everyone's brain when you mention those ads. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I mean, look, it wouldn't do any harm. I don't think to replay those ads over and over until the message starts to get through because, uh, you know, I think uh, like personally from just walking to work and I mean, I have to cross a roundabout. Now, obviously, I'm not I don't walk through the roundabout, um, but like, you know, going on the, the islands, whatever, like I've lost count of the amount of times I've nearly been fucking knocked down, which is why I gave up cycling to work because people would take any opportunity to blow you off the road. Oh, um, yeah. Well, I definitely wouldn't be. I wouldn't want to be a cyclist um, at all. Like I don't I'm I'm not very um uh, what's the word? I'm very uneasy on, on a bike and stuff like that. So I don't do it. I, I don't really cycle, but my partner got a bike recently and she only cycles a short distance again, just down to the, where the sea is near us and, uh, for a swim. And like, you'd come across, you know, just, just irresponsible driving and you see so much people cutting off cyclists, um, and, you know, not giving them, not giving them the space and, and other vulnerable mm. road users. It's just crazy. Again, just a variety of different things that people do badly is scandalous. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, and uh, also up next, uh, speaking of scandalous, uh, Brendan Gleeson speaks out against the condition of hospitals in Ireland. Uh, he reckons that John O'Shea of Goal uh, should come in with some charity money and sort out what we're doing to our own people. Speaking of situations which have not improved. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's just like his, 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 his vitriolic reaction to, uh, you know, what obviously what he's seen and experienced is... Uh, I can tell yeah. you, yeah, I can tell you firsthand that it, it ain't, it ain't great, you know, depending on where you go, of course, but uh, it's, it's, it's a, it's a broken system and it ain't, it ain't getting fixed anytime soon. I can tell you that much. No. And the, and the thing, yeah. And the thing with, I remember this Brendan Gleeson, um, late, late slot. And what it was, was that I think his, his father or one of his parents had been in on a trolley and had had to yeah. go to hospital. It was quite elderly, whatever. And that's where his anger was coming from. Yeah. And I think that's what it takes sometimes because a lot of us can live in this, uh, you know, a bubble of ignorance where if it's not directly affecting you, and this goes for loads of different things, if it's not directly affecting you, you're so inclined to just let it let it pass. Absolutely. And then when it happens, you you get you know, or or someone you love, it get you get so angry about it because you're like, you know, it's so unjust and unfair, and you need that to happen. I think to this to the to people with the celebrity status of Brendan Gleeson or Kieran, you know, yourself, once you appear on countdown, <laughs> um, but you know, you need it. You need these people to speak up because they, they have a voice yeah. and what he was doing here was using his voice. Now. Yeah. I don't think it got us anywhere because as you said, hasn't proved um, really what happened. I think we saw the explosion in the private health side of things where I guess, um, you know, people who can afford to do it, you know, yeah. can get a better level of care. But again, that's not, that doesn't mean you get, you know, you get, uh, you get your, uh, you know, you have everything on a plate either because there's, there's still institutional issues with the health service just generally. But yeah, it's just, um, it's mad again, because 
Again, it doesn't feel that long ago, but it is 16 years ago. Yeah. It's not the first time Held has come up on these episodes, and yet no. we're still in 2022 going, nothing's really changed. It's the yeah. same or worse now than it ever was. Oh, uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I will say that, you know, working in uh, in the hospital, uh, I, I, I won't be going on to a countdown and being like, uh, yeah, I'll, I have a um, I have waiting, uh, as in the waiting list in Ireland are shocking. <laughs> <laughs> or just oh, you really... You'd really, you'd really, you'd have, you'd have my respect now if every word you chose was a link into to oh. the issues, the social issues of Ireland. I've, I, you know, I've already got like, people are telling me like, oh, you should sneak this in, you should sneak that in. And I'm like, look, they're very precautious about like what they put on the air over there. So I've, I've gotten one thing that I'm going to sneak in. And that is uh, last week, uh, unfortunately, we lost one of the, one of my favorite wrestlers of all time, Scott Hall, uh, right, yeah. aka Razor Ramon. And uh, they have this hand symbol. I don't know if you've ever seen it, Simon. The too sweet. So you um you make like a uh, how the fuck do you describe this? So make... <laughs> I know the one you're talking about. Okay. I'm waiting to see how you describe it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you you make like the devil horns with your finger, like your you know rock or whatever. But you 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 put the pads of your in your your middle and your ring finger on the pad of your thumb finger, so it makes it look like a little wolf. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And you just say too sweet. So uh, what I'm going to do is when I go on and um, if w- when I ask for the numbers, I'm going to throw up the too sweet and go, I'll have too large, uh, too, too large, please. Uh, so that that'll be my little little sneaky on thingy. I like that. I like that. Yeah. I just hope nobody from Countdown is listening. Um, <laughs> Who knows? They could be doing their background checks on you now. And, uh, Shit. Yeah. He's got a podcast. We better listen to it. He could be a, he could be. You know, all, all kinds of conspiracy theorists and reading, and they just some yeah. English person listening to us rabbit on about reeling in the ears. Yeah, I hope they don't go back and listen to the uh, 60s, 70s, and 80s episodes where we were particularly harsh on British. But, um, they, yeah, uh, there was an episode, was it one of the early 90s ones or was it one of the 80s ones? anti-British but there was of course they could listen to our 96 to 97 episodes where we explained to a British person uh, that's to an English true. person you know how things work here and I felt that was very um, you know uh, yeah, very cr- cross educational yeah the 96 episode in particular you know because we had to explain Richie Cavanagh and uh, <laughs> I can't even remember now something else ridiculous <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and now I have to explain to the people when I go across why it was why why Prince Charles was in Waterford yesterday planting a potato in the ground. Oh yeah, of course you guys are, are having your royal visit at the moment. Yeah, well they're gone now, I think. Um, but um, oh, they didn't hang around. No, they did not because they didn't I, want to see Waterford City on a Friday night. No, uh, but you know what? It's funny because I know we're going off on a mad tangent, but fuck it. Um, it, it's funny because uh, so in in Waterford we have uh, one of the oldest round towers. I think the oldest round tower in the country, Reginald's Tower, and uh, there's a pub next to it called the Reg, uh, and it's a pub slash nightclub. And uh, because Prince Charles and Camilla went to see the Viking Triangle, which is where the uh, history museum is, when they tar- brought them around the corner of Reginald's Tower, two people dressed as Vikings pretending to have a sword fight which is absolutely mortifying um, <laughs> and it, yeah it was badly re- reconstructed but one of the top comments on the photo under the local paper's facebook page was a uh, terribly can't bring anyone anywhere his first day in waterford the first thing he sees is two lads fighting outside a nightclub uh which it which kind of tickled me the other one was when uh, yeah. he was planting a potato with a load of school children and it was like um it was like great he's putting one back for the thousands they stole during the famine oh jesus <laughs> But this is why we can't have nice things. And this no, is why but we... no, 
Yeah. And also there was a protest as well uh, of all of five people who were caught out, by the way, because a lot of people were like giving out saying, no, this is disgraceful. Waterford people shouldn't be doing this, blah, blah, blah. And then they were caught out as being from Dublin because one <laughs> because one of them brought their packed lunch in an Easton's bag. <laughs> I knew it was them. Yeah, we don't have any. Even when I thought it was the people from Donegal, I knew it was the Dubs. <laughs> oh, I thought it was fucking brilliant. You just can't make this shit up. Um, I hope that I, he brought a back lunch to his protest. I know, right? Like, like what, are you, uh, what are you doing for the day, dear? Uh, down to Waterford to protest the royal visit. Right, well, don't forget your egg crest sandwiches. <laughs> In your Eason's bag. <laughs> And I'd like to think the sandwich was loose as well. It wasn't Your backpack's in the wash. You'll have to take Easton's bag. Hmm. Easton's are super value bag. Hmm. I don't want to take the bag for life. I can't make that kind of commitment. Uh, <laughs> um, and uh, up next, a report found that, that institutional abuse it was taking place at Lee's Cross Nursing Home in County Dublin. As we see a small snippet from that undercover doc, yeah, documentary. Uh, I watched it once. I refuse to watch it again. Um, Dan Moore, whose brother died while in Lee's Cross, said that it won't bring his brother back, but he hopes that the report will ensure it doesn't happen to anyone else. Every so often you get these like primetime investigates that are just, you know, uh, look, uh, fair play. I, I, with the TV licenses and everything, I think it's an absolute sham. But, you know, if it, if we got more quality content like you do on primetime investigates, because every time they bring out something like this, it just, it kind of gets shit done, to be fair. Um, and I think as a result, that nursing was closed, I think. I could be wrong. I should probably look into it. Um, but there was definitely, it definitely highlighted the, the, um, the issue of institutionalized abuse um, and, you know, kind of hopefully removed a lot of people from a dangerous situation. They did one as well more recently, I think, on a crash in Dublin, I want to say. I can't remember the name of the crash, but uh, that got shut down then as a result for ill practice. Yeah, so right, yeah. yeah, so it's good to know somebody's doing something about these kind of things. Yeah, absolutely. Look, at, yeah, you got to expose these things and, and credit to, um, credit to, uh, to RTE for um, further investigative reporting into these into these things, I suppose you say mm. there's plenty. You don't want the TV license going on, but I'm, I'm happy for it to go on on uh, yeah. on stuff like that where uh, you know there's there's proper journalism being done and, and yeah. injust, injustices are being highlighted, if not maybe corrected in the way you'd like them to be. Yeah, um, and uh, we also see the 23 people have been killed in Ireland's gangland murders. Uh, is is just me as the term gangland simply an Irish term? Because I never hear it been used anywhere else. Like in Britain, they refer to them as like gangsters or gangs. And in America, it's 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 gangs. Like I've watched The Wire like 700 times. And that's about a gang. And, you know, I've never in my life heard the term gangland used outside of Ireland. No, yeah, you're right. I don't think I don't think I have either. Um, I think it's very much a uh, I think it's very much a, a coined by the Irish media for uh, around this period. Like this was the Limerick, few, yeah. you know, gang feuds were, were were I mean Limerick was really under siege at this point oh, wow. um there had been issues in the early 2000s in West Dublin um and, and we we're starting to see maybe a bit more of that and obviously that uh, that inspired love hate which would come along a few years later yeah. uh, and Kieran's favorite show Kin which yes. <laughs> which would eventually come along as well uh it's inspired by more recent gangland issues but yeah so uh no, definitely. It was it was definitely in the news a lot. And I'm glad it's been mentioned and reading in the years because it was and particularly in Limerick, because Limerick got a hugely mm. negative reputation out of, uh, oh, yeah. out of this. It's got the nickname uh, Stab City for the longest time. Yeah. And like certain people in Limerick are really still living with that. Like and that was, you know, that was all down to a couple of fans of war, you know, and, and yeah. it was um, 
it was mad how they managed to drag a whole city through the mud, you know. Yeah, no, it really was. And I, I they they show they they talk about my Mike McDowell talks about uh, innocence getting caught up in that. I could be wrong and I don't want to be quoted on it, but I'm ninety-nine percent sure that they're actually talking in this case about I want to say Shane Gagan. Uh, yes. yeah, the the he was, I don't think he played professional rugby, but he was a rugby player. Yeah, no, he was yeah, he was he was a well known amateur player around around Limerick and he yeah. uh he was shot in a case of mistaken identity because he looked similar to a guy who was had a hit out on him, yeah. Yeah, just gosh, just absolutely terrible. Um, and up next, Kofi Annan tells us that there is still time for our societies to change course, as we should be politically courageous, as global warming is the hot button topic this year. Um, uh, Paul Cunningham is on the scene in Greenland, looking so uncomfortable uh, next to a sorry next to a glacier, uh, as he says this will mean warmer summers and more drought, uh, which of course, funnily enough, we get a heat wave this year. Um, across Europe, mind you, as we have the warmest July on record as temperatures hit 32.6 degrees. The rest of the world in the Northern Hemisphere is fucking laughing at us because they're like, 32, is that all? Um, yeah. You know, meanwhile, we get a hose pipe ban for anything over 26. Yeah. But this is the thing, because I still remember that summer um, and the good weather. Like, that's that's the thing about it is like... Um, you always remember the really good summers. Like, yeah. like uh, you ask now, and I bet uh, people who who were a bit older than us in the mid nineties will remember the summer in ninety five, and that was something similar. And um, there was a recent one. There was, yeah, which escapes me. I think it. I think it was pre COVID. Really, it was definitely pre COVID. Twenty eighteen, want to say? Yeah, I feel like it was twenty eighteen. Right. There was a really good day, uh, a really good day, a really good <laughs> year, or a really good summer. Um, yeah, I think it was 2018 because that followed like the beast from the east and all that snow. And then suddenly it was like, that was the end of March, like around this time. And yeah. then suddenly like a couple of weeks later, it was like, oh, three months of pretty good weather here. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so uh, I remember 2006. I think because I had a part-time job in Bray on Bray Seafront that summer and it was outdoors. Uh, so I remember being out in the sun a lot, um, a lot that summer. I was working on the amusements. Oh, Bray Seafront. I don't know if you've ever been to Bray Seafront. Uh, I haven't. We this... are gone now. So, but this was uh, there was a a, a wonderful uh, amusement arcade called Dawson's Amusements, and it had uh, it had uh, some some like stuff out the front of it, and I was operating the oh, uh, uh, the stuff out the front. The teacups um, and what have you. Yeah, there was like a <clears throat> it was called a simulator. It's one of these like little rockets you sit in, and it had a screen inside, and Shook oh, about and it was like a roller things. coaster. Yeah, so I operated that all summer, which was deadly. Nice. Um, yeah, and uh, yeah, so I remember this vividly because I was out in the sun for the whole three months um, or whatever, however long it was, the whole school holidays. So, uh, cinnamon yeah, tans uh, all around. Great. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, so it was, um, it was, it was, it was, it was a good summer. Nice. Um, and speaking of heat, Peter Stringfellow and his big mullet uh, open up Stringfellows in Dublin's north inner city. However, after five months, uh, it's put your top back on, love. <laughs> they closed the doors following protests from a load of owl ones. Yeah, oh, he underestimated the Irish mammy. He fucking did, because he was trying to encourage them to get their daughters up on stage. I bet you it's probably the same owl ones that protest, protested Jane Mansfield. Um, yeah, I think I think the thing problem with Stringfellow is, and people of his of his ilk, is that he's a very brash, oh, yeah. showy guy. Shame doesn't enter the equation, and and because he's not Irish, right, he f- doesn't understand the fundamental emotion of Irish people is shame. 
Yeah, oh, that's what we operate on. We all operate on shame. Yeah. Um, it's the Catholic guilt thing or whatever it is. I don't know, but it's it's he didn't realize uh, that you know an Irish mommy was never going to let her daughter no. uh, strip on a pole. No matter. I, I look. It's. I think it's a perfectly legitimate job. Absolutely. I don't have a, a big issue with the with them with uh, you know anyone who wants to seek employment that way. I, you know, I'm all for sexual impairment, all the rest of it. But you know, he fundamentally underestimated. Yeah. The Irish, um, the Irish uh, uh, mammy psyche here, um, and 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 yeah, I like I did think I thought that the woman who spoke was a bit over, but you know to bring a certain clientele. I I think people who are going to pay to go into the strip club, like they're, they, I, I I don't know, but I feel like they bring people with money or like people with you know with you know disposable income to throw around. So I don't think the worst type of people to come into your area. Um, yeah. But you know, I I understand why people people objected to it. It's not a family thing. So if, gotta, <laughs> no. if it's an area where families live, uh, you know, you don't want uh, you don't want people hanging around late at night. Um, no, I suppose that, that's true. And I mean, look, I wouldn't go working for a chap who looks like an evil Del Boy. Do you know what I mean? With like the greasy mullet and and the clearly fake teeth. Is there anything not creepy about him? Even his yeah. name is creepy. String fellow. You know what I mean? Like, ugh, said G string fellow. Um, and uh, now this brings us to the halfway point of the show where we're going to our newest segment as I've coined it Simon says so hmm. Simon I'm sure you know the rules by now 30 seconds three questions are you ready I sure am Kieran far away alrighty let's go so who was the sponsor of Leeds this season uh, White and Mackay okay I'm going to pause that for one second because I kept googling Leeds 2006 jerseys and I kept getting bet 24 um, I think it changed mid-2006 Oh, okay, okay I'll give it to you I'll give it to you And here we go uh, So what season were the Simpsons on this year? Uh, season 16 18 uh, And lastly Which WWE Hall of Famer won his first WWE title this year? Rey Mysterio uh-uh. Edge Edge Yeah Yep Maybe Sears probably not in the Hall of Fame yet, is he? No, he is not. Uh, yeah. No, yeah, Edge is, and he won it the first like couple of days into January. I actually remember it, yeah, or because yeah. I was still watching wrestling then, and I remember, yeah, remember Edge winning that, yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you one because you know I probably got the bet twenty four one there, but I was, but let me tell you, Leeds two thousand six jerseys are going for a pretty fucking penny on eBay. I was looking at them today, and people are selling those jerseys for like seventy quid. Yeah, so I have all of them. Uh, uh, okay. I collect them so uh, with the it, well I say with the express intention of selling them eventually but uh, they're very sentimental here and you know yeah well that's true that's true and like I, these ones I just have because I was 16 so I could fit into an adult size so I still have them <laughs> like I did, you know my kids ones my old ones that were younger when I was from when I was a kid I had to throw out because you know they don't fit but uh, these ones these ones are still and jerseys back then were you know, skin tight, so they had a bit of oh, had yeah. a bit of room in them, so I could still fit them. <laughs> That's true. The uh, I can I can see you now, like you know, thirty odd years of age, going out for five side wearing like the jersey you wore when you were like twelve. You know, yeah. Uh, well, I do get and... a bit of grief because I have a whole wardrobe here full of all these jerseys, Leinster jerseys and Ireland jerseys, and wow. um, most. You know, half of which I just had, but half of which I have bought on eBay. Um, so I am one of those. I am a consumer of uh, of of those jerseys that you were looking at. 
Okay, well, yeah. so it's a it's a it's a small bone of contention in this house in terms of the space they take up. But look, and the fact I never wear them, I think, is more the issue. And now I I <laughs> the last couple of years I've bought like every new Leeds jersey because they got back in the Premier League and I was so excited. And like uh, you know they're just cluttering up the wardrobe now. But anyway, look, mm. gotta spend your money on something. Yeah, well, that is true. Um, I mean, you couldn't have picked like no, no offense to Leeds, but you couldn't have picked a worse jersey just based on the fact that they're white, and uh, that's a got to be a nightmare to keep clean. Uh, yeah, and I'm I'm like a messy eater as well, like and I spill things all the time. So yeah, it's not great. I can see I can see you now being given out to be like Simon. You have to stop wearing your Leeds jerseys to spaghetti dinner day. <laughs> 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 my mo- my mother would always give out to us and be like, "No, you can't wear your Leeds jersey because you're you're going to spill stuff on it, and then I'm going to have to wash it." It was like, "No, I'm wearing it." Yeah, and then yeah, she would have to wash it. Yeah. Um. So take us into the Twitterverse, Simon's favorite Twitter page. What have you got for us this week? Okay, so Kieran, I've I've changed hack right because I had a, okay. a few options, but I came across a page the other day, and I just said, "I'm going to have to stick it in here." Uh, because I just found it. It's a brand new page, okay? Um, I think it's brilliant. Now, I will preface it by saying it is a page predominantly of pictures. So like oh, with okay. your uh, Too Sweet logo earlier on, I'm going <laughs> to have to try and articulate what they look like, but I think all will become clear. Um, so the uh, the page in question is Chaotic Nightclub Photos. Uh, that's at club photos, all one word, underscore. Uh, so the uh, the profile picture of the Twitter page is the famous yeah. uh, meme of the guy who's like got his face pressed up against the girl's ear and is like clearly boring the head off her. She's a really bored like uh, expression on her face and he's like rabbiting on about God knows what <laughs> as any meme. There are memes that have every conceivable um, thing on it. So that's, we're off to a good start here. Now, there, as I say, it's only a couple of days old, so there's not a huge amount on here, but I'm just going to explain some of the photos that are on here. So the first photo, uh, which was posted on March 20th, so that's this week. That was what, Monday? Sunday. Yeah. Uh, I would say someone made this when they were coming over. It's just a guess. But uh, this picture, right, first picture, it already has 137,000 likes on, on Twitter. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if you're looking at this, Kieran, but to describe um, the picture, um, it is a scene from a nightclub, as the name suggests, uh, where <laughs> a group, potentially a, a work night yeah. out, possibly, uh, are, are take, you know, and, and just to preface this, so anyone who's been in a nightclub, uh, I'm sure at some point in your life, you'll realize that in the bigger ones, sometimes you have someone going around with a camera, and they're taking photos of, of you know, people, and it's usually people looking at the camera, like really drunk or whatever. And this is just classic examples of that. So this first one is uh, a group, so I'd say three young people, two girls, uh, two young girls, a young guy, uh, and then an old man, uh, well, a middle-aged man, uh, in, a, in a full suit so that's why I'm saying it could be a work night out he looks like the boss and then he's got like a young team but uh, so one girl's pointing at the camera the other girl is being fondled I suppose is the word I would I would, being, I would have to go hied, with yeah being hied by the man who's or the sorry not the not the middle-aged man the young guy behind her who is well, I mean, he's got his hand on each breast and yeah. he's behind her and he seems to be sniffing her head. And she seems to be, <laughs> she's, this isn't, it's a hahi, but she seems to be into it based on her facial expression. And the middle-aged guy is looking at the camera with this like, why the fuck am I here? What is going on? Why am I still paying for everyone's drinks? <laughs> Look, I'm just looking at it going, I hope it's not his daughter. Like, I'm like, yeah. no, it's like that. So, um, 
So we're off to a good start here. Uh, when we scroll up to the next one, the next one looks like a three-parter. Um, <laughs> and uh, when we click into the first, <laughs> it's it's a very nice scene. Again, could be like it's a group of friends out. There's there's uh, four, four um, very attractive young women, uh, three less attractive young men, I would say. <laughs> well, sorry. That guy on the left is not young. The guy. the guy on the left, it looks like a ghost. Uh, it's, and there's no, a guy it, it's, it's four women, two lads, and Marty Morrissey. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Frankenstein slash Marty Morrissey. Uh, they're all drinking Corona lights, by the way. Yeah. But uh, in the background of the picture uh, is a man uh, very intently uh, doing something. And in the next, as we click across, you get a uh, close-up where the man is clearly uh, spooning out or taking a key to a bag of white powder and... Uh, and in the next picture, then there's the follow-up photo that the cameraman took of said guy uh, with his arms around a girl, and <laughs> basically he's Mr. Burns <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, with the nuclear glow, the alien Mr. Burns. That's exactly what he is. <laughs> his, his eyes are like saucers. Yeah. <laughs> oh, some good shit. Whatever he took, and I'll just, I'll just, I'll just go. I won't explain all the photos but i have to explain the next one right which oh, i've seen before i don't think yeah. it's a new one the next one posted on my i think they seem to be posting one photo a day which is probably a good way to do things um and this, this is a young a young couple uh and some other people in the background but this young couple the the, the lady there um she's wearing a lot of makeup Kieran, would you say uh, uh i would say she's been sufficiently tangled yeah uh to the to the point where her boyfriend, who's a much paler man, uh, yeah. not wearing makeup, <laughs> has <laughs> all of her foundation, or sorry, not all of her, some of her foundation or whatever it is, has rubbed off on his nose. So he essentially has like a chocolate nose. <laughs> uh, and he's been going in, going in on her, uh, clearly high on the life out of her, and he's come up <laughs> with her makeup smudged all over his nose. Um, it's just. It's yeah, just brilliant. It, it's brilliant. It looks like he tried to uh to try try to eat spaghetti bolognese with his face. Um it's, yes. Yeah. Yes. It's, yeah, no, it's it's everywhere. And I mean, look, yeah, that 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 is now my new favorite Twitter page. Um, I have to say it's it's brilliant. I mean, there's there's two in there uh, that are kind of the same ilk uh, group photo or photo of two people where one has his arm around the other one and he's like spilled a whole bottle of drink in on top of him, uh, and then just planted in the middle, you just have this woman deep throating a bottle of a pilsner, uh, like at the the thick end, which fair play to her. That's that's a talent in itself. Yeah. Yeah, it, it really is. Um, so yeah, I really hope this, excuse me, this page continues. I hope they keep posting one oh. photo a day forever. There must be an unlimited source. Like they all, these all seem to be similarly shot, maybe in the one club, uh, not on the same night, I hope. Or as it was a very eventful night. But, that's uh, that's, that's hope, a Netflix series waiting to happen. Yeah, I hope they keep going because it is just the best and oh. although i just saw it on twitter the other day and i was like i can't even though it doesn't probably won't work in a podcast medium i've got to try and explain yeah. this page. <laughs> it's 
It is fantastic. Yeah. I love so it. So again, that's uh, chaotic nightclub photos at club photos underscore. Uh, please uh, click in at your leisure, oh. and you will not be disappointed. No, absolutely not. I'm going to be checking that one every damn day now. Um, and uh, so we're back then, and up next we get the talk show debut of two dirty old feckers. Uh, this year, no, not us. Uh, Podge and Raj, as their talk show is the hit of the year. Um, I have to say, I loved this show when it was out. They brought it back, I think, last year. The year before last and it just wasn't the same but uh, no the first um the first season they brought it out was just no punt like they just didn't give a shit that's where i got the classic line of do you think supermax would give mikey graham the time off and uh, they were interviewing uh roland keaton about buy zone um yeah. and uh the other one was they they kept they didn't ask poor brian kennedy a single real question they literally just kept asking him so i hear you're a benny tied to a tree which was apparently a way of saying gay um and it also brought us the wonderful lucy kennedy i think that was her that was her yeah that's day. right i think so yeah yeah so. and now like seven children later because every time i see her in a show she's pregnant um she's uh she's had her own show and her own success and the two lads um who did podge and roger i think it's Mick and Kieran are the names. Um, I've kind of had a bit of back and forth on Twitter for you know a couple of years because they have a, their own company called Z and Z Creative because they're also the guys behind Zig and Zag. Oh, that's right, yeah. Hmm. And I think if I'm right in saying Podge and Rod started out as uh, one character, it was either Podge or Rod was like the dirty uncle or something on the den. Yeah, that's right. That's right. PG, post the evil postman, and then and then I think he had a, was an it. evil twin or something. Yeah, that's how. Yeah. That was it. Um, Zig and Zag, and the, they're 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 really really funny guys. The stuff they got away with on the Podge and Rod show. Um, and speaking of hits of the year, Zidane scores a cheeky controversial penalty for France in the World Cup finals, um, but is sent off after the now iconic headbutt to Italy's Marco Materazzi. Um, and he gets sent off as he solemnly walks by the World Cup trophy, bringing a shameful end to his playing career. A lot to take in there. First of all, the penalty. Um, he couldn't have made took a, taken a worse penalty in a sense that like it was so unclear whether or not that was a goal or not. Yeah, they, I, this he it's called a panenka when you kind of chip the ball down the middle. Oh. Um, but he nearly got it wrong. And that's sorry, it's it's for football nerds out there. It's named after a Czech player who did it uh. in the final of the European Championship in the seventies. Um, to oh, win, okay. I think to win it or certainly in, in, they won it on penalty but um, but anyway the, the so Zidane like the balls I know it's his last ever game but like the balls to do that when you get a penalty to put your team yeah. in the lead uh, or was it equalised I can't remember it was early enough I think the two goals were early enough but anyway he panics it but he nearly gets it wrong as you said because it's the bar I think it did go over the line but like it bounces back out and uh, and yeah uh, I think very controversial no one was really sure if it had gone in or not yeah um, no VAR then. so he was clearly on one because like to do that it's really um, I think self is probably the wrong word but it's really like self-important to do that as in I'm so good I'm going to chip this because it's kind of mm. it's it's done sometimes to like belittle the keeper a bit as well because keepers will always dive yeah. if that's the theory behind it because if, if they don't dive he's just going to catch it because it's such a tamely hit thing yeah and um, that's how that's that's why you've got to make the keeper dive and usually they will so it's kind of like a, a it's seen as like a slight on the keeper and yeah. there's a couple of famous examples of them but yeah this is just um this is just mad and then obviously yeah he was clearly on one Matarazzi was uh Marco Matarazzi was uh uh very much an Italian defender in that he was a shithouse uh he would like 
He just spent the whole time insulting players, insulting whoever was near him, insulting Zidane, and eventually Zidane, who was a very hot-tempered player and had several red cards during his career, snapped, and we saw the yeah, the the, uh, the famous headbutt to the chest, which was just like what a shot. And to yeah. be fair, you know there are a lot of soft red cards, there are a lot of red cards for dives, a lot of players that hit the ground when they shouldn't. May as well, if you're going to go, go in style, lay it on the guy. I think that's what he decided. Um, and it was shocking, and you know it was. It was a an unbelievably shocking way for a career of one of the greats to end. And people probably don't, younger people don't understand, you know, in this era of, of Messi and Ronaldo being two of the best players ever. Like before that, you know, Zidane was one of, oh yeah, yeah he was the man and he was the player. Like 98 World Cup, we saw him score the two goals. Yeah. When he wasn't on form in 2000, wasn't fit in 2002, France didn't get out of the briefs. Like he was playing for Real Madrid, he won European Cups, like one, like the guy. And this is the word, this is obviously the end of his career, but like for him to go out that way, it was just, um, yeah. just a shocker, a real shock. I mean, he was like, yeah, like you say about his career in Real Madrid. I mean, like that was the year they had Zidane, uh, 2003, Zidane, Beckham, Roberto Carlos, Figo. Um, there's more there. Uh, Steve yeah, McMahon. Yeah, Brazilian Ronaldo. Yeah, and uh, yeah. Steve McMahon. Um, yeah. And yeah, it was just an absolutely incredible team. And just what a what a player. Although this did bring about one of my favourite ever uh, throwaway gags in Family Guy, where Stewie says, uh, what does he say? Well, it's got to be worse than getting a birthday greeting from Zinedine Zidane. And uh, it shows like Zidane going up to some door and he rings the doorbell and the old woman answered and he just headbutts her and throws a cake <laughs> on her. He throws a cake on her and goes, Bon anniversaire. <laughs> <laughs> I must send you that. It's fucking priceless. Brilliant. <laughs> um, yeah. So this was uh, this was this was madness. But yeah, what a, what a way to go out. Yeah, I think I think it was uh, if I remember correctly, it was Maserati. What Maserati? It's a car. Um, Madarazzi. Uh, he insulted his sister, um, which is what apparently drew 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 his ire. Um, yes. And um, up next, we get protests from Afghan asylum seekers as the rally against deportation from Ireland. As one man says, they wish to integrate and become part of Irish society. Well, fair play. Can't get any more Irish than what comes next. A hunger strike um, in St. Patrick's yeah. Cathedral, no less. In a church. <laughs> in a church. where um, And then, meanwhile, on the flip side of things, across the pond, Irish people campaign for reform to immigration laws. One man says you can't get a good job, you can't go home to visit your family. Uh, while another says that after five years, you've built your life, how can you leave? I have to say, I could have this clip on mute and I'd know they were Irish, the big Irish heads on all of them. Yeah, I mean, it is a cliche, but because it's true, like, you know, Irish people abroad, uh, they stick out like a sore thumb. Even in America, where people are descended from Irish, you don't, they don't, there's just a head on people. um, And you just know they're Irish. And uh, yeah, I don't know about the the whole, the whole, um, you know, Irish, illegal Irish immigrants in America, because um, the, we saw it in the, one of the 80s episodes, they did, they did the feature on, um, Irish in New York and mm. um, you know I know in the 80s people had to leave but like a lot of these people would have left actually in good times um, yeah. the people that are shown in this and I mean I'm kind of looking at it going well like what do you expect like, you overstayed your visa like people people yeah. went on three month visas or, or J1s or whatever and, and, and then just never left and then he's kind of going but you can't get a job I'm like but that's because you're there illegally yeah. like you can't go home because they won't let you back in like that's you know that's not the same as people having to go because there was nothing in Ireland for them. Um, you know, I think people... Now, look, I, this is gonna, it, I'm gonna, probably sounding harsher than I feel no. about it. I 
100% understand that if you've been somewhere for five years, you put down roots, you maybe settle down with a partner or something like that, you know, maybe you've, you've married, but if you marry an American, you get a green card, but like maybe you've, you know, you've, you've, you've made friends and all the rest of it. I, I 100% get that. And I think if you've, knowing people who've lived abroad or, or emigrated and our generation now emigrate, but they come back. Um, yeah. So it's not quite the same, but like I've had friends who've lived in Australia for a few years or whatever. And there is a sense of, you come back expecting things to be the same, but everyone else has moved on in yeah. Ireland. Um, so that's that's why it would be very hard for these people after, I think there was one guy who said he's there five years, very hard for him to come back and settle in. I understand that point, but I'm just kind of like, you know, if the shoe's on the other foot, I think some, and they, these guys were in Ireland and it was maybe the Afghan guys or whoever, you know, making the same arguments so people might yeah. be a bit more like, ah, no, that doesn't, you know, that's not right. You're here illegally. You know, it's just kind of like, I always wondered about this whole, like, I don't get what their argument was. Like, make us, make us legal. But surely the Americans were like, why? Like, why, why would we? What are you doing to, you know, I guess they weren't paying tax. And if they were legal, they'd be paying, they'd be taxed like anyone else. I don't know. If it's... Yeah. And I mean, on the, the other side of things, I mean, those guys, yeah, they're over there legally, but, you know, a lot of like employers, particularly in industries like construction and that, they've got to be licking their lips at the thought of like, you know, okay, I can get all of this labor and I can pay them fuck all because like, what are they going to do? Well, exactly. You know? That's it. That's it. And I understand that's, and that's their argument is they're saying, okay, if we, if we're here legally, then we mm. can join a union or we can, you know, we can have a yeah. bank account and we can get paid properly and all that and get taxed and be paid a fair wage and all that. And I, I 100% get that. But uh, yeah, I don't really, look, I didn't really research this part and I probably should have because I'm not, I'm not, I just not sure of this argument and it's probably unfair to look at a 30 second clip on reading in the years and make yeah. a judgment. But, uh, but yeah, I'm just, I wonder whether the, are these guys still there or what happens? Um, yeah, it'd be interesting. Because I hope they didn't come back in 2006 because two years later, this country oh, wow. was a fucking yeah. mess. So it yeah. bad timing. <laughs> and actually, yeah, I hope they stayed. The, yeah, actually, now that I think about it, the worst possible thing that you can do if you're staying there illegally is to all congregate together. Yeah, surely it makes it very easy for immigration to come down, the immigration police yeah. to come down and be like, okay, everyone in the van. And even if you even if you scatter, like, I mean, you're all wearing T-shirts. Yeah. <laughs> you basically march yourself. You've done their job. Yeah. Fucking hell, all they need is a big net. Yeah. Um, well, we know Americans don't really care about illegal white immigrants. So it's well, fine. that's true. Yeah, you're the right colour, so you can stay. <laughs> um, and we also see Gemma Hayes perform Undercover. She really dropped off the face of the earth. Yeah, and I remember watching this episode, whatever, probably when it first came out, and being like, who, what, Gemma Hayes? I was like, that's vaguely familiar. And I'm probably much more familiar with her now, but she really did. I mean, she still released uh, more music, but yeah, she seemed to be a big hit around this time and not carry it through or not be not be not be pushed i guess but um yeah because yeah. i was i was a big fan of um like uh, i won't call it alternative music but a big fan of like irish music like the frames and paddy casey because they were like almost effectively one man and a guitar or one woman and a guitar and I remember yeah. when, when she came out i remember recording this on my panasonic flip phone uh off the radio <laughs> because i thought this was great and if this was again before shazam you know before spotify where you could just be like oh what was the name of that so i couldn't even google the lyrics like um and well i could google it which is probably gonna get a lot of results but anyway um and i remember downloading her music off limewire then eventually you know um and like she was just brilliant and i remember we used to go busking in town and one of the guys i went busking with you know he carried on for longer than I did and 
God, I'd say about 2009, 2010, uh, he was busking in town and uh, Gemma Hayes was playing in the forum in Waterford and she just happened to be in town and saw him and uh, was like, you know, oh yeah, great. Like, you know, thanks, you know, brilliant. Good to see music, whatever. And gave him like free tickets to the gig. And when he, when he went, he said there was like, fuck all people there. Um, you know, so I remember uh, there was another woman as well who was very similar. I can't remember, Tara Blaze. Tara Blaze was her name and she was again another woman in a guitar now she had an awful time of it because she sang a very catchy song that was like they hated the summer it was like a paperback cliche it was called um and uh she a couple of years ago went on the voice uh, the Ireland voice and they had this um they did this every so often where they would bring on a like a former singer I suppose or somebody who hasn't been big in a long time and they would have to you know when they turn around sometimes they'd be like oh it's you you know blah blah and obviously they don't progress with the competition it's only a bit of a laugh or whatever but nobody turned around for Tara Blaze they were oh. like yeah so that was kind of sad um and uh, up north, Ian Paisley's DUP are getting closer and closer to power sharing with Sinn Féin. Uh, he says he will meet their requirements, but can't help calling them the IRA Sinn Féin. Um, <laughs> he just can't resist the game, can he? No. And do you know what else he can't resist doing is uh, whistling every time he speaks. He, I don't know if you caught this right, but every time he pronounces the letter S, he, he whistles. Oh, and yes. Well, um, it's match- fucking nuts Apre matches Richard Cooper does a a, a Nordy character an Ulster oh, rugby he fan does, yeah. and he does the exact same thing for that pretty much based on Paisley's accent I would I would suggest but uh, yeah. but yes that is the classic uh, uh, you know Ulster Protestant cliche is that the whistle <laughs> the whistle they say the yes yeah I, I just I couldn't help notice it this time around um, and in keeping with North relations former Sinn Féin official Dennis Donaldson is shot uh, shot dead after admitting to spying for Britain for almost 20 years uh, I, first of all I do not remember this and second of all maybe don't admit it <laughs> that's just my guess yeah, so this, right, so if you recall, I think the 2002 episode, we saw the raid on the Sinn Féin offices in yeah. Belfast. And we saw that it, it said at the time it was orchestrated to, to, to help the PSNI cover up um, oh, a, a, yes. an informant. He's the informant, oh. right? So what happened was that in 2005, um, he was exposed in late to the excuse me, in late 2005. So he was, a, Dennis Donaldson was a, a high-ranking guy in the Republican movement in Sinn Féin. He'd been involved in um, the IRA from, I think, the mid-60s, like, in the Troubles. He was a friend of Bobby Sands. He'd been yeah. in uh, the maze, like, all that, right? And at some point, he was turned. A lot of the, a lot of it's, you know, it's, it's to do with, um, sometimes people, you know, you might have leverage over somebody and that, that's why they turn. It's not always because they want to. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it came to light. I don't, I don't really know. The, I couldn't really see, get the info on how it came to light. But I think what it was was that in that raid, he was arrested. Uh, but it was obviously like for show. So it was like, you know, to protect him because sure if he was arrested in the raid and, and the whole raid was to do with, you know, this pretend, they were pretending that there was a Republican spy ring and that there was Republican spies in the police force and he was arrested as part of that so that people in IRA wouldn't question. Yeah. You know, but then eventually in 2005, the case was dropped and I think that's what tipped people off to say, how come this case was dropped against him and look uh-huh. into it? He was exposed. Jerry Adams announced 
that he was a Donaldson was a spy or a spy, an agent, whatever the phrase is. It's a spy sounds very, uh, very dramatic. Um, and unfortunately, some people, um, yeah. Well, I think the media actually tracked him down, which is great. Oh. Um, and he was in a rural cottage. Do we see a shot of it here? I, yeah, I, I, think, I think it's you frozen. Can kind of see in the background, yeah. Uh, without running water, without electricity, like he was hiding. Ooh. He was tracked down by a journalist, and within a few weeks, uh, he was visited by some uh, by uh, some people, and did not live to tell the tale. He was executed. Wow, that's uh, that's very, it, this is all very 007, really, when you think about it. And I'm sure nobody was arrested in in relation to his death. Um, yeah, and it's the hidden part of the troubles, I guess. And look, any conflict, you know, there's going to be. The, there's obviously the the fighting and the bombings and the the injuries and the deaths that take the headlines, but there's a lot of espionage and undercover stuff and double agents and all the rest of it in any conflict at any time. There's all that going on, and uh, you know it's uh, it's 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 interesting because you don't see it. You did you know the 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 curtains are peeled back on it all that much. Yeah. So when you see something like that, it's it's pretty shocking. Yeah, and uh, one man who definitely could not be a spy because he's too fucking loud is Michael Stone. Um, he <laughs> bursts guy. through the doors of Stormont. Every time we see this guy, <laughs> he's doing something absolutely ridiculous. He was bombing the funeral alone. Yeah, Remember alone. That? In the late 80s. That was ridiculous. Yeah. Alone. Yeah, that's why he's uh, he's tagged as the uh, loyalist murderer, convicted loyalist murderer. Yeah. Um, and yeah, he just like bursts through them and calls Paisley a sellout. And I think he was armed with a gun or something. And I don't know what he had planned, but uh, I don't even know if he's, I must actually look him up and see if he's actually... I think he brought a bomb in. Was that it? Yeah, I think he had a bomb with him. Well, he had plenty of ammo. I think he was trying to do something similar to the bloody funeral thing. Like these guys are lunatic. Um, you know, and, was, and as we said, anytime we've seen him, he's been doing uh, acts of sheer lunacy, including we saw a brief clip at the Good Friday Agreement stuff. Um, you know, there was a clip of um, you know, the prisoners being released as part of that in, in the late night, maybe 98 or 99 episode. And it focused mainly on Republican prisoners, but there was a clip of and loyalist Michael Stone, you know, convicted killer or whatever. And in that clip, he was wearing double denim and had a hideous mullet. And that was oh. a, that was also an act of sheer lunacy. Um, also, I in researching, I realized that Michael Stone, A, was born in England and B, has nine children. Oh, my God. Who's fucking this guy? Like, he's had two wives. Oh, my God. Yeah, not the same like, time. Um, yeah. Like, I'm, all right. So I urge you, like, anybody listening to this, I swear to God, right, Google pictures of Michael Stone because I literally Googled Michael Stone, right? And so the first thing that comes up is him bursting through Stormont. Now, I mean to say this man is beat red in the face. He looks like he's about a drop of a heart attack, right? The third photo, it looks like it could be a Peter Dinklage headshot from the 90s because... Uh, <laughs> Then there's pictures of him in the 90s again where he looks like George Michael. But now he looks like like just just Santa Claus. Like he's got a massive bushy beard. Um, and then there's, of course, a lovely photo of him from the 80s with, um, yes, said dirty mullet, but it's tied in a ponytail over his shoulder with his big, dirty, pervert moustache. Uh, so he's just, he's like, who is having nine children with this guy? My God. Uh, yeah, two wives, one, seven, uh, sorry, well... He's, he had two children with his second wife. Wikipedia doesn't say how many he had with his first wife, so I don't know if all seven are with her, the other seven, or whether he's had other uh, uh, relationships that have led to other children. But in between bombing people, yeah. But I forgot about this, right? But we, we discussed this 
in that episode where he bombed the funeral, he got 638 year sentence yeah. for that and served 12 and then got or 11 or 10 and then got let out under the Good Friday Agreement. Obviously, after this incident, he was sent back. So what he brought to Storm at this day, right? And I had actually written this down prior, but I'll read it out to you. Uh, what he had with him um, that day, he had, uh, hold on, let me get my list here. He, he was armed with an imitation pistol, a knife, a viable bomb and had placed eight pipe bombs within the grounds of Stormont. Oh. Um, was he dropping them? You, you'd think Stormont would have better security than this. But anyway, uh, they trapped him in the revolving door, which is what gives us this great image of him like stuck. <laughs> yeah, 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 yelling like as he a, can who? Like a pig. <laughs> He's just like, stuck in this door with all these poor uh, security oh. guards around him. Some of them were badly injured, by the way. Uh, you know, but it got him stuck at the door, which I shouldn't have, but they did. And uh, that's where he's like on his arse. No oh. surrender, Paisley. No selling. He's fucking passes. Like all oh, the sellouts. And I'm like, come on. Like it's progress. Like stop bombing people. But what makes me laugh is the thought of him walking around the grounds of Storm and minding his own business in his double denim. And like Andy Dufresne in Shawshank just dropping pipe bombs out the pant leg of his trousers. <laughs> yeah, it's like someone who has a bit of wind, just <laughs> yeah, takes yeah. himself off for a little walk, just get rid of the farts, you know? It's kind of like stops, shakes his leg, bomb falls out, walks on. <laughs> but, like, the, the best part as well is, like, they're pipe bombs. on Like, they're not timed. You have to light them. So is he, like, was he planning on, like, I don't know, going in and shooting the place up and then running around trying to find where he dropped yeah, his pipe bombs and light them and... I don't know. And it's, it's the fact that he's always been a lone wolf. I think that's what, like, like he was obviously involved in various loyalist organizations, but these big things that he did, like the, the, the cemetery attack, which was awful, but that was single-handed. And this Stormont thing, like, that's single-handed. Like, he's not he's not getting approval from, you know, the loyalist paramilitaries or anything. He's just fucking off on his own. <laughs> and, uh, like, and I, I, I always like to think that even the loyalist paramilitaries are like, no, Stone is too mad for us. Yeah. Like, he's literally too crazy for us we're just not he, we're just letting him do his own thing he, he's too much of a boy for crazy town too much of a crazy for boys town yeah that's it. <laughs> but the only thing he was missing now when he got caught was having his lunch in an Eason's bag uh, it sounds like you have <laughs> fucking everything else with him um, and uh, this is also the year of the love Ulster riot where a planned loyalist march through Dublin which I mean come on that's never a good idea uh, is prevented by a huge riot. I love how one man walks on shot of the camera, says, fuck this barricade in particular, and just moves off. <laughs> he didn't even throw it at anybody, he just moved it to the side and fucked off again. Yeah, no, this is, oh, um, I remember this so well. Yeah, I remember it so, so well. So we were, we were at um, some kind of like college fair type thing. It was oh, like a yeah. Sunday. I know you had these things. So we were all at that. And I remember the rest of the lads were going, it must have been maybe in new city or somewhere and we were all the rest of the guys were going oh we'll go into town hang around for the day and i think i had a match or something like that and so i, I headed off i didn't go into town they got the guys my friends went to um, eddie rockets on uh on o'connell street and got stuck in there for like a couple oh hours my god so they went oblivious to the fact this was going on because we were 16 and who the hell reads the news and uh you know that this march was going to go on and this march by the way was so obviously going to end in you know some kind of violence like it just it was a it was a it was a loyalist march run by Willie Fraser who was like anti-catholic anti-republic of Ireland anti-everything <laughs> right 
and it was literally to go it was a it was such a provocative thing to do and they knew it was provocative and for some reason all the political parties including Sinn Féin were like yeah do the march <laughs> like see, I don't understand I don't understand why happens. nobody went why nobody went no yeah it's, it's um you know, it's, it, it's nuts. It's like threatening your brother to like go on, take a swing, and then surprise when he actually takes a fucking swing. Yeah, like it was just like, are you guys insane letting them do this? But anyway, and it was always going to. And the problem is, it was only a small counter protest from actual Republicans, right? Yeah. Because Sinn Fein said no. Sinn Fein said to their members, stay away, just ignore the fact it's happening. For whatever reason, they said, you know, maybe, and look, maybe it was a brief uh, bit of clemency from Sinn Féin to say, look, we have to tolerate these things and we want to move forward. At yeah. the time, obviously, we saw there that they were moving towards power sharing in the north, so maybe that's what informed, I don't know. But uh, but there was, there was so I, when I was reading it yesterday, it was like, uh, you know, Sinn Féin, the, the political party said this, and then it was like, um, but... Republican Sinn Féin, which apparently is a different group altogether, right? We're like, <laughs> fuck this noise, we're going out there and we're throwing rocks at them. So uh, so they they, they they formed a small counter-protest, but of course it was just joined in by a load of people from the north inner city of Dublin who were like, this is great crack. We get to yeah. throw stuff at loyalists and wave tricolors and like, what's going on? We're all wearing our Celtic jerseys. And it was just like, <laughs> they just got this renter mob. Not that they wanted them, but they just came. Like, all these people came. And of course, the other brilliant bit of planning by whoever fucking let this thing happen was that O'Connell Street was going under extensive renovations at the time. Yes. So there was ready-made missiles in terms of <laughs> construction materials everywhere. I so where the pickaxe came from. There's pickaxes, there's there's bits of concrete, like there's everything, like rubble, there's everything you could want in terms of arming a mob. <laughs> so the three buses, the three coach loads of uh, of of Orange Order men or whatever they were, pro, uh, pro, Protestant uh, marchers, uh, beat a hasty retreat eventually to their buses. But uh, that didn't stop the then several hours of looting that the poor, uh, you know, shopkeepers of O'Connell Street had to withstand. <laughs> as as <laughs> I think I read a line that said, um, by the end of the day, you know, several arrests were made, half which were non-Irish nationals, which suggested that the crowd who came. Uh, the crowd who came didn't really care about the protests at all and were no. there predominantly for the looting. And that's not to blame it on foreign people. What we're saying there is that those people probably don't really care that Protestants were marching down uh, down, the, down O'Connell Street. They were probably just there because they could smash up Foot Locker and rob some shoes, um, which yeah. is what happened. Yeah, the fleeing the scene in like very stylish Nike runners, mm. not really caring about... Uh... About, although that would have been actually a great if they did actually arrest uh you know northern irish loyalists and they were like yeah they were non-nationals that's a that's a pretty sly dig if that was the case yeah that's true that's true but yeah it was pretty bad and actually one thing i remember about this was that charlie bird um who at the time was the chief uh, news correspondent or was attacked by uh, members of the pro of the the counter protest whatever you want to call them um and called an orange bastard which he then recounted uh uh, to uh, Pat Kenny on the late late the following week, um, oh ostensibly because he was apparently anti Sinn Fein, um, you know I don't know, but again, yeah, just uh, it just it was one of these. Things. I just don't understand how this was allowed happen. It just seems like really, really poorly thought out. Poorly thought out, like you know, if you don't want to, you know, if you want to let them march, don't let them march on O'Connell Street. Don't let mm. the protesters gather there near all this handy, you know, material. Material that they could use, you know, police it better. Uh, I don't know. 
I mean, the whole thing was a farce. It was like, I mean, it's where fucking Steve Staunton put this thing together. Um, well, it's fair. Well, more on that later. Um, but uh, back with rugby next is Peter Stringer gets a try and Munster beat Beeritz in the European Cup. Uh, this is your show. Uh, so what, 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 what happened here? So we obviously won the European Cup, but have we won it not in a long time or why was this? Uh, yeah, no, Munster had never won it. And, no, but sorry. Um, the only one Irish team had ever won it in the, uh, and this was the eleventh year of it. But um, uh, Ulster won it in '99. But the, you kind of have to take that out of context. It was the the English clubs weren't playing that year um, uh, because okay. they were having a contractual dispute with the organisers or whatever. Not to take away from Ulster, and it also just wasn't the big thing outside of Ulster and even really in Ulster. But what happened in, from 2000 onwards was that Munster became Munster, what what you know as Munster Rugby yeah. now. So before the provinces were. 2000 the provinces were just a representative team so you played for your club and then the best players got picked for your province you played a couple of interpros in provincial games a year and then when the european cup started they played those games but you were still a, you didn't have munster leinster they weren't weren't really a big thing in terms of support mm. and what happened in munster was they had an exceptional uh club scene at the time so they had a lot of really good players um and they increasingly then players started to play more for their province than for their club and that's what we have now where players are contracted to the provinces and they don't play club rugby uh-huh. and well Munster were the first team really to catch on to this um, and make kind of a, a club out of the Munster team rather than it just being a representative team that no one really cared about um, and they had a couple of really close calls they got to a couple of finals they got to 2000 they lost Ron Nogara missed a load of kicks 2002 they lost out really controversially to what's known as the hand of back incident um, and that, not to bore the 95% of people listening to this who don't care in the <laughs> right. but, um, that's where there was a scrum once a scrum near the Leicester line they were attacking putting a lot of pressure on Peter Stringer went to put the ball into the scrum and Neil Back who was a Leicester flanker who played for England at the time and we all hated England they were really good at the time uh, slapped the ball out of his hands which meant that it went Leicester side and that's totally illegal but the ref didn't see it oh. and at the time you couldn't go back and TMO these things so uh, Leicester survived the one narrowly and Munster were crushed and and no disrespect to you as a Munster person, but there's nothing Munster rugby fans love more than a sob story, a hard luck story, uh, you know, and uh, and, a, and, a, and and someone to blame, a scapegoat. So Neil Back got a lot of that. But anyway, uh, they've been on this odyssey, this journey, and it was a really great thing. And it, it really elevated Irish rugby. And um, uh, they unfortunately beat Leinster in the semi-final and then, and then went and won this final. And it was a great thing for Munster fans. And also for a group, Kieran, that, that, that have come to be known as the Lunsters, uh, which are people from the province of Leinster who uh, essentially were glory hunters and threw their lot in at Munster at this time because Leinster weren't as good as Munster. Uh, and then uh, a few years later would live to regret that when Leinster became the dominant team. And uh, as true Leinster fans from Leinster, we have not let those people forget it. My father is one of those people, uh, and he uh, he does not like being labelled a, a Munster, but he is from Dublin. He is a Munster fan. Oh. Um, uh, my brother is also a Munster, um, because my dad is one, uh, and you'd have to ask them for their reasons for it. Uh, but anyway, anyway, they <laughs> won the Hind Cup. Fair play to them. Ah, yes, indeed, fair play. I did. So this is the European Cup. This is. The Heineken Cup. I'm I'm all for rugby, so this is the yeah. same thing. Ah, okay. What yeah, you European Cup, and it was just a huge thing for, and it still is. Like Irish teams put a huge emphasis on winning it, um, and it's really it's really really important. And that 
all comes from Munster's Odyssey, uh, which ended in 2006. They would win another in 2008, but they haven't won one since. Um, mm. But it, they, yeah, Munster, Munster were the only show in town when it came to Irish teams really trying to win this, and uh, and they eventually got over the line. It was just this, yeah, it was a great, great, great journey for their fans, and they 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 deserved it. Ah, yeah, so see, the, the the kind of, I suppose, not the, you know, I've, I've been to a Munster match, even though I'm not a big rugby fan, but um, I do, when it comes to Munster, the first thing that pops into my head is the Russell Carroll Kelly description for a woman being on her period is that Munster playing at home. Yeah. Yeah, so that's the that's the extent of my Munster knowledge. Fair uh, enough, that's a good description. Yeah. Um, and um, here we fucking go, the dynamic duo, Bobby Robson and Steve Staunton are selected Ireland's management team. I'm the gaffer, I'm the boss. Oh Lord! I mean, I mean, if you can't deliver that line while sitting up straight, what hope do we have? Like he's very crouched over when he's saying this. Um, and to be honest, we had no hope because we were losing five two to the likes of Cyprus. Who, you know, where the fuck are they now? Um, yeah. Just, God. And no, they, yeah, it was ridiculous. And we, we, had, you know, we saw in last week's episode we only lost narrowly to France to to not yeah. qualify for the World Cup. You know, which was a reasonable respect, reasonably respectable. France got the World Cup final, as we saw. Um. And within a period of a year, so about a year later, we lost five to the Cyprus. And all that had changed was the manager. Um, okay, yeah. Roy Keane retired, but he was kind of on the way out anyway. Um, but yeah, just uh, a shit show from start to finish, Steve Staunton. Yeah. Um, and, and I mean, like, I, I don't even remember Bobby Robson being involved at all. Like, I mean... Yeah, it was a funny one. So that, obviously, he had, Steve Staunton had no experience as a manager. Yeah. So what they said was, we'll bring an experienced guy like Bobby Robson, who's obviously extremely experienced and a brought England to a World Cup semi-final in 1990 and you know as a consultant but it never really worked it was like what is his role how much consulting is Steve Staunton doing of him evidently not, yeah. not a lot I think he then got ill he became ill Robbie Robson he would eventually die a couple of years later of I think it was a brain illness of some kind but he, he maybe cancer but he he was he became ill during that time period so he wasn't as involved as maybe they thought he would be and yeah. uh, yeah, and it just, it was one disaster after the other, and uh, we were embarrassed, really, for, for two years. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, Steve Saunton, actually, as an outfield player, has more experience as a goalkeeper than he does as a manager, because he played in goal once for Liverpool, uh, in one particular game, I think it was 98, 97, 98, um, and never managed, and it was just such a weird, like, his suit didn't even fit him correctly. He looked like a fellow go to his communion who borrowed his older brother's suit. Uh, yeah. like the thing was swinging off he just he couldn't deliver anything with confidence and I mean this was like a run of misery because yeah we had him and we were a fucking laughing stock and then they got Trapatoni and it was you know eh I mean that's that's all you could ever really describe that as um, and then things started to look better and then they got worse um, so the, the joys of being an Ireland soccer fan um, and uh, up next we host the Ryder Cup and we're welcomed to it by Sharon E. Violon good woman Sharon um, and Europe beat America by 18 and a half points to nine and a half points how do we win on a half point how do you get a half point uh, because if, uh, if you draw your match it's a half each that makes a hell of a lot more sense okay yeah. so there was a couple of draws so hence the half yeah this is a pretty big beating um, and obviously it was the most Irish of Ryder Cup, so it was uh, it was great, and yeah, there's emotional scenes there where uh, Darren Clark had lost his oh he did didn't he yeah. his wife only I think seven weeks before that um, obviously cute, quite yeah. young, um and he really played his heart out then and uh, and it was great because we had you know we had him we had Paul McGinley so it was really Irish flavour to the to the team it was in the K Club which was a great monument to the Celtic Tiger at the time as well yeah. and uh, yeah it was a uh, it was a really good. Um, a good moment for the country even if you weren't necessarily a golf fan 
Yeah, true, and, and quite. And uh, for the and for the whole continent, even England. Even England, we'll include them in that. It's not a, it's not an EU thing. It's a Europe thing. So you're allowed. That's to. it. That's um, it. And um, so up next, quite a lot on, on 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 the economy. So we'll group it all together. So uh, here comes the bubble. Ireland's economy grows by over six percent in two thousand six, and the SSIAs are leading people to spend more. Uh, combined with over eighty five thousand more jobs on the market, and Ireland is grossing. 4 billion more than expected. Uh, Brian Cowan, before he was the face of the crash, leads a budget which, which improves government spending and cuts taxes. Uh, Barty condemns naysayers who say that we would see a downturn in the previous year and now wants an investigation into why it got wrong, uh, or, or why so many got it wrong, rather. Um, glass houses, Barty. Um, <laughs> must be before the Dobson interview. If this is after the Brian Dobson interview, he's so back. I know, right? Fucking cheek. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, George Lee warns of uh, the crash and downturn and says the current wealth is borrowed from the future and shits all over the Celtic Tiger. Um, yeah, and this was before George Lee disgraced himself by getting himself into politics. Um, yeah, I think that lasted all of three months. Um, yeah, it's it, it's quite it is it's quite telling, isn't it? It's like you know, here's a, a, a leading economist saying, "No, no, this will not last. We're borrowing from the future." And he actually I thought he explained it quite well because you know he did. I grew up in it and I have a vague understanding of it. And obviously somebody like yourself who kind of works in that field would have a bit more of an understanding. But I mean, he, with the way he explained it in a sense that like, you know, we're not exporting houses, you know, we're building them here. Uh, and just, it kind of did. Yeah, he, he explained it very well. And it is telling that, you know, leading economists being like, you know, no, no, this isn't going to last. Whereas Bertie's like, oh, sure, look, we have 4 billion extra pocket change and, you know, this and that. And then, yeah, we know what comes next. Yeah, it, it it this is a really really good segment to actually explain what happened, which is rare for reading in the years because it's so hard to explain something in all these clips. But um, but yeah, like two things you have to remember. So um, so people like George Lee and and George Lee's clips are used here, and you can actually go back and you can watch all the full. I think it was another prime time program, or or he had it. No, it was actually his own documentary that he made, or his own um, show that he made about why he thought and at the time people like him and, and Konstantin Gurdjieff who was an economist um, I think a, a lecturer in UCD and an economist um, were saying these things and they were like chicken little the sky's about to fall in you're a laughing you're a laughing stock you're, you're, you're totally wrong like look at how well we're doing yeah. and people just couldn't want to see it um, and they were right like 100% right George Lee is spot on like what he said there about we are borrowing from the future that is exactly right. And in two episodes time, we are going to see that. The start yeah. of that. And, and in 09, 10, 11, we're going to see the austerity. And that is exactly what happened. People were borrowing from the future, taking all this money, credit and, and all that, building their giant houses and their jacuzzis in it and get helicopters and, um, you know, flying to America to do their Christmas shopping and all the rest of it. And, uh, you know, the money they were using was not money they earned. It was money they were taking essentially from, themselves in the future because they're going to have to pay it back and that is uh that is a really good way of putting it and the second thing i would say is that what bertie Aaron says there about how could they people have got it so wrong there's a line i've said this about, about this movie before but if anyone wants to learn wants to understand more about how this happened not obviously with not in america the movie the big short is the place is the first thing you should watch and um, because it explains it really well and the, one of the main characters that's a true story about the people who cottoned on to what was happening early the housing market in America and made a fortune when it collapsed. Um, but for two years, same thing. They were all laughed at and said, you're wrong. You're 
wasting all this money of betting against the housing market. It will never collapse. Michael Burry was the first guy. Dr. Michael Burry is a guy who was, uh, uh, um, he ran a, 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 an investment fund, let's say, and he decided to invest all of the money betting against the housing market in 2005. And there's a line in the movie that he says, which he says, someone, one of his investors is given out to him saying, you're wrong, you're wrong, and you lost all my money. And he goes, I'm not wrong. I might be early, but I'm not wrong. And that's the problem. What Bertie Hearn's talking about here is people who are saying this will happen and they were just two years early. Yeah. But it did happen. You oh, know, yeah. the thing did collapse and uh, he couldn't, Bertie Hearn couldn't see it. So when your leaders and, you know, a former minister for finance, even though he didn't have a <laughs> bank account. So we're not, you know, not sure about his financial bona fides, but, you know, he didn't have a bank account, but he was the minister for finance in a previous life. He couldn't see it. You know, Cowan couldn't see it. None of these guys could see it. Or certainly they didn't take action to prevent it. Uh, you know, and, and obviously we know what we know what happened and we're going to start seeing it from next week uh, in 07, the 07 episode uh, as things start to turn turn down in the second half of that year. Um, and yeah, it's, it's very interesting. Um, this is the height of it. Like, this is the height of it. We actually don't see a lot. I actually thought before I watched this that there was a clip in, more clips in this of, like we saw last week of how people were spending the money. I think we'll see it again next week. But um, but yeah, like this is the height of it. This is tents in the Galway races. This is people getting helicopters, you know, helicoptering their kids to school. This is people putting jacuzzis in their bathrooms. This is, you know, this is uh, the obsession with the decking out your back garden. Oh, God. Uh, you know, ex- house extensions. This is and all this stuff. Permission. Planning permission. <laughs> spending money on, on fancy trips. As I said, Christmas shopping in America. Uh, you know, all this stuff um, um, yeah. was happening at the time. Madness. Yeah, looking back on it now, it's just it, gluttony is what it is, uh, especially now with the way things are. Um, and I'm sure when it happens again and we start seeing more cranes in Dublin, we probably won't learn from it. But hey, what harm? We're all going to America. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. And uh, yeah, up next, oh, fuck, I'd forgotten about this, the Jumbo Breakfast Road song. I mean, where do I even go with this segment? Uh, yay or nay? Y- y- you a fan? No. <laughs> You know what? I loved it at the time. I thought yeah. it was hilarious. And and the novelty single, we saw Langer a couple of weeks ago. You remember the Langer? Um, yeah. The novelty single was kind of a thing then. Mm. Um, you know, we saw, I think, I think Dustin going to the Eurovision might have killed it, to be honest. But, um, it, did. it killed the joke, but yeah. These kind of things. And Pat Short was, you know, we saw Killing the Scully and, you know, he was he was big at the time. And I always enjoyed Dumbleables and Pat Short as, 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 um, I, I mean, they, not, they weren't what, what would you call the type of comedy Kieran you know more about comedy than me like that that um, parody it's parody of society I guess yeah, yeah yeah and like you know the character they didn't do stand up I'm sure they did stand up but they didn't do you know they were, didn't become famous off the back of stand up comedy they did it by playing characters and doing sketch shows I guess and stuff like that yeah um, observational more so, yeah, yeah observational comedy exactly um, so I really enjoyed that Jumbo Rex Roll it was catchy. It had a hook. Um, you know, uh, it was very Langer-esque in terms of it was yeah. a bit rude. You know, I will in my role. You know, that kind of thing. And it was kind of good-natured fun. But, uh, but yeah, I don't know. I'm glad those things don't really come out anymore. <laughs> no, thank fuck for that. I mean, like, just... I'll, I'll give me Richie Cavan any day of the week. Yeah, Richie Cavan, a patch art is not. Uh, I mean, to this day, he's still putting on gigs and he's just lost a run of himself, I think. Um, he's done some serious stuff in the last while um, and that's been really good but yeah no his comedy he's just so far so far gone from his days of done believables um, and I think it might be just part of your listening this time to hang it up mate um, 
And with that, we come to the close of the show. But before we go, so if you were to invite any three people from tonight's episode to a dinner party, who would they be and why? So, Simon, hit me with your three. Okay. This was kind of tough this week because I felt this episode jumped around a lot. Yeah. Um. So the first person I'm going to bring, and I've already spoken about her at length, is Katie Taylor. Um, for the reasons I outlined earlier in the show, just um, just uh, an amazing, uh, amazing athlete and role model, and uh, and seems like a really nice person from what I know of her. So I I definitely bring Katie Taylor. Um, the second person I'm going to bring is probably a little controversial. I got to bring Michael Stone. I feel like I think I brought it the last time as well, but um. But I'm fascinated by him in a, in a in a bad way. But I just like I just I love the fact that he's a lone wolf. I just always find that so like how like this was like the <laughs> ultimate like you had one group and another group, but they hated each other. And then Michael Stone was 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 obviously a loyalist, but like was out in his own. And I just I like to think that it was because they the other paramilitaries thought he was too mad and were like <laughs> like this guy is crazy. So like let's just leave him at it. So. I kind of begrudgingly respect him in a, in a way. <laughs> uh, respect is the wrong word because of what he did, but you know what I mean. Like he just, uh, he just. I'm gonna have that in there. Dedicated to such insanity. Yeah, and look, I know I'd be scared shitless of actually coming to my house, but like, um, just get a revolving door. Yeah, well, exactly. Yeah, we'll just stick him in a revolving door, and he can, <laughs> he can, he can, uh, he can have uh, have his dinner there. And then the third person I'm gonna bring, mostly because I feel sorry for the way he was treated at this era, is George Lee. Um, <laughs> Because he was right, I just think he was so right in this uh, in that documentary, and I've watched the full thing recently, and it's it's he was so spot on about it. Yeah. And yes, you're right, he did go on to this crazy legacy by getting involved Fine Gael and uh, and politics, and then realizing it wasn't for him and all the rest of it. But look, um, for the shit he took at the time, and he was one of the people, I guess, that Bertie Hearn was talking about when he says, you know, where yeah. who, where are they now? And they were wrong, they were wrong, and they weren't wrong, they were just early. Uh, so I'm going to bring George Lee. Nice, good selection. Um, so mine is a bit more uh, varied. Uh, I would definitely bring Sharon Nigola just because that woman has just not aged. Uh, she's aged like a fine wine. Um, yes. I'm gonna bring Zinedine Zidane just because the man is an absolute legend. Um, just in foot, just in football, and I suppose what he's done as well in his management career he seems to be doing okay. Um, yeah, sure. And also, I'm going to bring several Svenjor and Ericsons. Um, the, the, all the ones we've seen tonight. Just because, you know, I just want to know what's up with the style. Um, <laughs> uh, so that is going to do it from us this week. Uh, if you want to follow us on Twitter, we are at R-I-Y-E podcast. Uh, be sure to follow us there. Uh, new episode release every Saturday. So be sure to stay tuned. Uh, as we are coming near the end, uh, we've got, oh God, how many episodes have we got left? So we've got 13, 14. 13. 14. 13, yeah, 13, roughly, 14. Yeah. Like that, yeah. yeah, something like that. So yeah, stay tuned to see how we're gonna finish up that. Um and make sure you have a good uh make sure you have a good weekend for yourself. If you want to see more of me, I'm gonna be on countdown. Uh, I'm going over to uh so we're we're gonna record next Friday and I'm going to then the next day go uh to go to Manchester and um record countdown. So make sure to keep an eye out on channel four, uh channel four's countdown. And if you see me in the street and recognize me, uh don't say hello because that kind of startles me a bit and scares me. Um but either way, I'm enjoying my newfound celebrity from a distance. Um, so as, as I said, be sure to check us out on Twitter and you can find us every week on Spotify. So it's a good night for me. And thanks again, once again, to Simon for joining us again this week. Thank you very much, Kieran. No problem. Uh, and for yourselves out there, have a lovely weekend. And as always, keep on reading. When I wake up in the morning and I jump straight out of bed I grab a hold of me luminous jacket and shake off me old portal head I have a time for the fancy breakfast I put
Some sauce and that says, Are you doing my role? 